Ready, Dave? Hey, everybody, and welcome to Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. I'm Dave Fox. I'm Dave Fox's assistant, Jordan <laughs> Cooper. Welcome to the podcast, Jim. And in this episode... <laughs> <laughs> we are discussing... Well, I want to say hi to Dave more. Uh, How have you been, Dave? I'm good. I'm good. I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to be discussing... So I, I just say right off the bat, I've uh, when this is another one of those cases when me and Dave first started talking about having a They Might Be Giants podcast, mm -hmm. one of the top things on my mind was I cannot wait to talk about Apollo 18 B-sides because these, uh -huh. uh, this might be giving away the ghost. Ghost. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right usage of the term. It's not. But these are some of my all-time favorite They Might Be Giants songs. I think all of them are, actually. I love these songs deeply. These songs are, are some of those songs that are like in my blood. These mm. songs run through my veins. If I wow. were to ever these slip my wrist, <laughs> these songs would come spilling would out. Spill out into the bathtub and they'd find me and they'd go, What a tragedy, but he really loved those Apollo 18 B sides. You'd do it in the bathtub. I would, yeah. Not to make a mess. Well, what, where would you do it? On the fire escape or something? <laughs> <laughs> I would try to make the biggest mess possible. Yeah, big mess. I mean, you. All right. You want people? This is a bad route want, to go down. You want people cursing your name for a few days? I feel like the type of person to kill themselves wouldn't really care about being polite, right? That's true. I guess that's an impolite thing to do. <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> Unless you're doing it because you were rude to someone, and you're like, I can't believe I was so rude. <laughs> Where would I do it? Times Square. Mm, that's a so. Good no one, one would notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people would step over you. You're like, oh. Blate. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> now that we got that out of the way. We got suicide segment out of the way, as usual. Yeah. Um, okay. So we were talking about the Apollo 18. We just talked about all of Apollo 18. Now I'm in a good mood. We spent, Dave, <laughs> we spent the entire year talking about Apollo 18, it feels oh, like. Good Lord. Um, there's a lot of tracks on that album. It's kind of uh, annoying that they did that. I don't know why they don't write less songs. It'd be easier for us. Yeah. So they, But they had so many songs that they made in the year 91 or so that uh, a bunch of them spilled out over, just like the blood from my veins, they, a bunch of them spilled out over onto these extra little CDs. Um, and they're extremely interesting. And I, I think they're also very revealing about more about uh, the Apollo 18 themes actually, and where their heads were at uh, during this this album. And, and yeah, if, prove it. If you, <laughs> okay. If you don't, you know, if you, if you don't mind me saying, Dave, <laughs> I hope Dave doesn't mind me talking about They Might Be Giants because that would really ruin this show for me. No, it, it is of my opinion that the, these are some of the best songs from the Apollo 18 sessions. And uh, I think it's a small travesty that they're not on the album. Some of them are un understandably not on the album, not because of their quality, but I don't know, the tone or something. Mm -hmm. But we'll talk about that. Was there anything that could be switched out or would it just be Ooh. 45 songs? Don't touch my face. <laughs> Sorry, there's a little feather in front of Dave's face. Um, That's my problem, not yours. <laughs> Don't ever approach me. Um, we, we'll talk about that, actually. That's one of my favorite things to talk about yeah. with B-sides is being like, ooh, what if in an alternate world this was on the album and then this other song was a B-side? I mean, it's interesting. It's That's like funny. I said it. Yeah, because you, you can never... You can never know because you you get so used to what the album track list is and you get so used to what the B-sides are 
that you can never you can never like really yeah. know what it would have been like. But we can we can play some games. Speculate. <laughs> Do you want to play a game? <laughs> postulate. Um, yeah, let's let's postulate. <laughs> <laughs> all over you. Um, before we get to Apollo 18 B-Sides, because I like to keep current on this show, um, I think a day after we recorded our last episode where we mm-hmm. talked about their, some of their new songs, John Linnell's Roman songs got released. I just wanted to acknowledge that. Now we're gonna speak about. It sure did. We're gonna speak about those songs maybe more in depth in the future. I'm undecided about if we should do that sooner or, or later. But I just wanted to, to say that they're out. You should check it out. You should buy Roman songs. I found them very interesting and fun. They kind of reminded yeah. me of sort of like the John Linnell Hello CD of the Month Club stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got that kind of home demo feel. Though, as I've said. John and John's home demos to me sound like Studios. finished albums. Sure. Um, but yeah, uh, Roman, I, I'm enjoying it. I like them. As I was, we were talking a little bit before we started, mm-hmm. uh, I find it hard to remember them yeah. very well because they're not in a language I understand. Yeah, I needed a few listens. Yeah. Um, I'm only just now starting to have them a little in my head. Yeah, I mean, the music's fantastic. I think do- songs in other languages are fun. You know, they kind of, they put you in a different uh, feel, a different mood. It's like being in another country, right? Like, yeah. you, it's like, oh, it's different here, right? Is that okay to say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, in terms of the Romans, I know what you mean. And, and what I think is interesting about this is that it's sort of a, another way. We al- I always talk about, they kind of put these walls up sure, to yeah, not yeah. reveal. And if you look at the actual lyrics, which are easily right, easy to I find, did. they are pretty, I think they're personal. I think they're about the pandemic. I think they're about yeah. being afraid to go outside. Oh yeah, one of them for sure. And it's funny because Linnell's been writing songs about being afraid to go outside for 30 Forever. years. Yeah. <laughs> but now he really is. And they're coming out in this. But I think putting it in, in a dead language. Well, first of all, I think there's a thematic joke there about maybe the pandemic made him feel like soon our language will be a, a dead language. And maybe there might be a joke there somewhere. There might If be. I can find it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also think it's just a way of obscuring, further obscuring. And I don't know if he'd use that word. Um, uh, further obscuring the the feelings and the meaning and stuff. It's like kind of, I think there's a lot going on there. I think it's actually a very clever concept and i do like the tunes i like the songs yeah and i also like the little music videos that they've done these funny little animations i would love you do you remember when john linnell he did a whole animation for i'm all you can think about oh yeah, music? yeah. i wish he sure. did that for roman songs too because why not the ones that they did aren't so advanced that right. they're <laughs> that much better I than what he, he did Looks yeah fun yeah hire dave if you're listening I, well, john I and well, john. hold on hold on <laughs> i don't know how to do that i want to learn how to do that Hire Dave to learn how to <laughs> animate something. You, you only have to wait a few years yeah. for the <laughs> song to be done. Hire me to waste your damn time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do think he wanted a new challenge, a new way to look at music. I wouldn't yeah. mind uh, English versions of these songs. Yeah. Because um, we were talking about, it is interesting to hear other languages, but I think Latin in particular <laughs> might be harder to listen to than, say, something like French or Spanish. In yeah. terms of just like how it hits your ear. 
That's an interesting idea. I mean, yeah, some some languages are are, are have different uh, tones to them. They did do Greek number three. But yeah, I think neither of us really listen to that that one yeah. too much. I did find it interesting. He did have this uh, interview. I think it was a. I don't think I think it was a print interview, but. Uh, he did say something about, oh, he didn't want to appropriate any living languages and use mm-hmm. those. So he thought it would be, I guess, more acceptable to do a dead language. I thought that was, I mean, for, I think it's kind of adorable that Linnell's mm-hmm. like such a good boy that he doesn't want to make anyone mad. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's very careful. Him and John are both very careful about things like that. They make people mad all the time, though. Yeah, yeah, like me, <laughs> like when they don't release their demos. Yeah. Well, any kind of political tweet or Facebook status I guess the, he, they don't want to make storm. they want to make certain people Jordan. mad. I'll say, but I, I all I'll say about that, and I believe me, I could probably say a lot about this whole subject. But um, I think it's a little silly. I think singing a song in another language is a beautiful gesture. I, I don't think it's there's anything. I think it's the opposite of wrong. I think that's a great thing. Hearing mm. songs, I, I like artists who do songs in in French or the Pixies mm. have songs in Spanish, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like to me, it, it opens things up. It, yeah. it makes me more interested in these things and I, I don't see it as like uh, anything bad at all. I think, it, I think it's actually the way we all, you know, could live as one, <laughs> as John Lennon Yeah, said. he said that, right? I'm, I'm going to learn Spanish. My girlfriend speaks Spanish. And whenever we're watching a movie and someone says like something in Spanish, she says what it is. And it's very helpful because sometimes it's interesting. Yeah, put it to work. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll learn it from her. I think that's really impressive when people know more than one language. Personally. I do too. I mean, John Linnell, he's he's like racking up all these <laughs> obscure, like, you know, kind of very, uh, lang- I mean, Greek isn't dead, but it's, yeah. you don't see it a lot in New York, I guess. Maybe a little. Go to a Greek diner. I think you the, do, actually. With the cooks are yelling. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to say scrambled eggs and <laughs> right. home fries in Greek. Anyway, let's get out of our controversial segment yeah. and talk about something even more controversial, which is B-Sides. Yep. Wake up. <laughs> yep. Hey. Hey, guys. So I'm, I'm just resting my eyes, okay? So first of all, I'll say this, though. Um, we're not going to talk about the Statue Got Me High single. Um, that came out before. Why Apo- not? <laughs> that came out before Apollo 18. And every song on it we've discussed already. Uh, I'm Deaf, we discussed in our then the earlier years mm-hmm. episode, uh, one of them. You know, it just has album tracks and it's it's just not... It's a piece of shit. It's not worth discussing. And what's the other one? To rip um, off. Yeah. Which describes how you're feeling. Yeah, which describes how your feeling demo is on it. And it's like we talked about that. We discussed yeah. that. We discussed the shit out of that. Um, it's the same demo that's on the earlier. Same years? demo. I'm, okay. I'm deaf. It might have a little, I think it had a little extra few seconds that are different. But we, oh, we, we got to talk we, about that. I, no, I think we talked about that already oh, God. in the then episode. I'm pretty. Okay, so we're okay. Pretty careful. We're not breaking any rules. It's a cool release. You know, at the time, because no one had heard these these songs easily, but yeah. by but this we're point, in the future now, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, we're in the distant future, and uh, it, those songs are old news, and we are some old Jews. <laughs> we are going to first talk about what came out first uh, of the two, which is the I Pound or My single. Obviously, the good choice for a single. <laughs> I, I'd say so. Before we talk about the songs, I just wanted to briefly discuss the album art, because I've got some exciting stuff to say about it. First of all, the I Pound My cover art is really cool. It's a little tiny photo of two old rotary telephones side by side. It's kind like of like John and John. <laughs> it is kind of like John and John. And that I love the those bunch of old telephones. Yeah. <laughs> the um take that. 
I love the um, consistency of, you know, kind of reminds me of like the Anna Ng video where they're always on, they're on the phone a lot yeah. in that, that video. And it's, I love these reoccurring things throughout their career. It's, it's, it kind of is like a warm, fuzzy feeling when there's old something timey consistent. Yeah. Technology. It's an old, it's a black and white photo. And the photo is taken by Jay Otto Siebold, who is the gym in the guitar, as we discussed in our episode about that. So that's some nice synchronicity. Oh, and there's accordions behind the phones. I don't there know you if you ever noticed that. I don't own it, so. Dave I doesn't own it. Yeah. That's actually another thing I want to talk about is how difficult it yeah. was acquiring these. I'm jealous. So before eBay, me and other fans used to just scour record stores looking for these singles. Me and Dave, I, I remember we used to go to St. Mark's Place, go to Sounds. That mm-hmm. was a really cool store there and a bunch of others. And I would just constantly. Second coming. Second coming. And I would just. Look bleaker bobs for these, <laughs> yeah. Bleaker bobs. I think that's gone now too. I think the only one left is Generation. Records. That is still there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I used to just look for these singles everywhere, and I think I finally found one or two of them. I know that um, when eBay did finally happen, I know I sound like I'm a million years old now. When eBay did finally happen, I think I got one of these singles on eBay for like. God, it might have been fifty bucks or something. Jesus, <laughs> I know. I, I Christ, rem- I remember spending a lot. But it was a big deal, and I still treasure these. You know, like I still, when I even when I look at these, still when they're hold, I'm mm-hmm. holding them in my hand. I'm like, oh my god! Like there's yeah. still a weird feeling I get, even though I think with with eBay and Craigslist and all this stuff now, it's like easier than ever to find this stuff. But these are rare. I mean, they're they're out of print. I should look them up. They're probably 99 cents now. Yeah, yeah. Well, CDs are like worthless now anyway. Yeah. But there are collectors that that like this stuff. So the, the coolest thing about the I've Hound My single, though, and I don't know who's responsible for this. I would guess John Linnell, mm-hmm. unless otherwise an extremely clever marketing person at Electra. There was a sticker on the front, which I st- stupidly don't have on mine. I must have taken it off. That was I'm a stupid. freaking moron. Why are you so stupid? There is a palindrome on a sticker yeah. on front that says, cool CD5. CD5 means it's like a five-track EP or whatever. Uh on this, you get, can you believe, songs elsewhere unavailable. Three, three unavailable elsewhere songs. Believe, you <laughs> can get you this on CD5. Cool. So that's a freaking palindrome, <laughs> word palindrome, yeah. similar to the bridge of a, uh, I palindrome I. Right. That's really impressive. I mean, I don't know how yeah. you do that. That seems very hard to do, and I'm amazed that they did that on the sticker. Usually those stickers are just kind of generic yeah. featuring the hit single. And yeah. it's your, Buy this, stupid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or they're like, yeah, it's like they're talking about That's what mine says. hit single that you know isn't a hit, like, hit single, yeah. S-E-X-X-Y, and you're like, was that a hit single? Right. Um, so that's an amazing little sticker. Inside the iPound <laughs> for my... EP. You, wow, there's a CD in it. <laughs> you, there's a CD, but there's also a mysterious picture inside. Yeah. And it's a picture of like a, it looks like a ceramic elephant, hopefully, possibly a stuffed baby elephant. It's hard to tell. Oh. And, a, and like a rattlesnake also looks like it might be real. The photo, Dave, is credited to Kurt Hoffman. And I, I knew that. We're going to, we're going to. Why did I know that? <laughs> the reason we know that is because we did a ton of uh, research on Kurt Hoffman because we actually interviewed him. We interviewed Kurt Hoffman, everyone. Cats out of the bag. That interview is coming out very soon. We did this. We did it a long time ago. So we've been keeping this a secret for a while. 
Um, but because of this line of communication open between us and Kurt, and Kurt is super generous with his time, and he replies to our, my emails super fast, which is nice. Nice. Uh, I don't do that. Because I can get annoying, I think. Yep. Um, I asked him if he had, I think this is something we forgot to ask him in person, even though I, I had this long list of stuff. We didn't forget anything. You lie. In email this week, I asked him about this photo. Yeah. And I said, could you tell me anything about this photo? Because you're credited with it. And I sent him a photo of it. Because mm-hmm. you actually can't really Google this. It's kind of hard to find. But I'll post it on our Twitter. Okay. This is what Kurt Hoffman said, everyone. Exclusive information. My favorite thing okay. <laughs> about this show. Kurt said, it was a photo I took at the zoo in Bangalore, India, which I'd visited in 1986. At the time, the zoo had parts that had been modernized and other bits that seemed left over from the Victorian era. The photo was taken in a room with a hodgepodge of dusty old curiosities that didn't really seem to belong in a zoo, but were somehow animal-related and well-curious, like <laughs> that model of a cobra in a cabinet with elephant feet. So that's what he said. Wow. He was, it was some weird room in a zoo in India. Awesome. Which is basically what it looks like. It yeah, is. yeah. Um, though it does kind of look like some weird an- uh, antique stores you'd find in Brooklyn, that, which is what I assumed. So it's kind of amazing that it's a photo from India. Yeah, he didn't have to go all the way to India. Yeah, that's a lot of work on his part for a photo yeah. of a CD single uh, in- insert. <laughs> He's really dedicated to helping out John and John. He's a good friend. Yeah, that's <laughs> mighty fine of him. Um, so now that we're done with, with that... Let's talk about... Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's on the back? What's on the back? It's We're not a, done. It's a blank What's thing. that font? It has the, <laughs> it has the lyrics to I Bound Your My, which is impressive. And then it has... It what, what's the, the other barcode say? Okay. okay. I'm kidding. Dave's making fun of me. A little bit. <laughs> I'm um, teasing. Teasing. Lovingly teasing. Mm-hmm. Lovingly <laughs> teasing. Yeah. That's what I say whenever I get in trouble. That's teasing. <laughs> um, you said you slept with my mother. There are three men dead. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the first special new song on this EP. I am dying to get started the with this episode. Remix. <laughs> We're talking about Cabbage Town. <laughs> oh. I was laying on the porch As the bus drove by Just talking to the dog About thinking to myself There are so many big ideas We could talk about But not I would love to know your thoughts before I get into all the the nonsense. I like Cabbage Town a lot. I think it's uh, in the vein of many Flan songs about small towns, Mm -hmm. leaving small towns, being trapped in small towns. Not the only one on these uh, B-sides, too, that we're going to talk about, too. It's interesting. This was was in his head a lot. Um, Though he didn't write this. This is an old song. They performed this, I think, at their very first show in the Mm -hmm. early 80s. So Cabbage Town is an old song, but uh, it was rattling around his yeah. brain during this time to re-record, which is interesting because I, I always think it's interesting. How do you pick? Like, there's so many old songs that they never re-recorded or must be nice <laughs> re-recorded at all. I love Cabbage Town because it's it's a unique mood for them, which is that it's not yeah. 
It's not uh, fun, funny, fun, no. bouncy. It's it's very uh, somber. Somber. It's melancholy. It's atmospheric. It's it's mopey. You yeah. know, mopey dick. <laughs> uh, it's there's not much comparable to it. Um, I think maybe in recent years, Slansburg's been exploring some more melancholy ideas. In Sometimes their, in the a music. lonely way. Yeah, that's sort of exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, things like uh, that, where it's like, oh, he's not trying to make a fast, fun song all the time. But yeah, Cabbage Town is, is really interesting. The sonics of it are, are interesting. Yeah, I, I think this this song is one of their best uh, examples of how just great they are at arrangements, because I love, yeah. you know, there's like a bass clarinet or whatever. Linnell is playing this like woodwind that's like a great little line. It's a great little riff and it's bouncing off Flansburg's vocals really well. And you've got this, even just like the, uh, this probably is mini, but the crashes, it's just like, mm-hmm. it's like has this empty feeling. It's just a lone Airy. crash. Yeah. yeah, it's it's perfect marriage of uh, lyrics and music in, in this song, which mm-hmm. is, I think they're getting more and more leaning in that direction, you know? as they, they're writing more and more, as their career is going, I think we'll find, as opposed to that. as this era. Yeah, opposed to the happy music, sad lyrics thing. Yeah. Like, this is, this is sad lyrics, sad music. And it's, you know, it's interesting to me that, that they're doing that. It's sort of in the vein of uh, See the Constellation thematically, but maybe before we were talking about why things are or aren't on an album, maybe that one was a little oh. bit more of an upper... <laughs> Yeah, um, this is one that I 100% understand not putting on Apollo 18. I think it would kind of stop the album dead. Yeah. Because <laughs> that Apollo 18 has crazy momentum to it. Like yes, we, we talked yes. about how that album goes fast. Like it mm-hmm. it just flies by because it's just so much energy. And the only time there isn't is like, let's say something like if I wasn't shy is maybe a little mm-hmm. sparse and not as fat, but it, like that's so short. Um, right. This one would really, it would, I mean, I think it would leave an interesting little crater on the album, like a pothole <laughs> to hmm. like trip on That's kind beautiful. of in the middle. Um, but this one is like, yeah, a song that they both clearly like, but it's just like, this would be weird on it. This might like kill the buzz <laughs> on an album, which I understand. Let's try to blast through this because there's a lot of songs to talk about, but I just wanted to, to wanted to educate Dave because Dave is ignorant Damn. about what what is Cabbage Town? Because this is Dave. This is a real place. Yeah, I know. It's a magical place. <laughs> I'm not ignorant. Um, I actually watched. <laughs> I watched a documentary about Cabbage Town that I found. Well, I didn't go that far, but yeah. <laughs> I Dave. I made a documentary about yeah. Cabbage Town. I visited there. Just minutes from downtown Atlanta, a more than century old community is struggling to survive. Crime, prostitution, and drugs have overrun this area of the city known as Cabbage Town. But it was a community that started with a lot of hope centered around a prosperous mill. Frederick Taylor has put together a new documentary film about the history of this unique community. And we welcome him to Good Day Atlanta this morning. Frederick, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. How did you get interested in focusing on Cabbage Town? First, let's say what Flansburg said. He said, uh, Cabbage Town is in fact a real place, a quite dilapidated part of inner city Atlanta. And yet the description of dogs and porches is actually completely accurate as Cabbage Town is one of the few remaining parts of that city that is a throwback to the more rural vibe. Rural, I can't, it's hard to say. Um, so what Flansburg says here, he said this uh, many years back, this is actually highly um, confirmed by the documentary I watched, which is all about how Cabbage Town is stuck in some weird past. And mm. it was very interesting. It was a little depressing, but let's listen to some parts of that. Okay, sure. That doc it's a serious subject, but I couldn't help but but smile a little when they say 
the word Cabbage Town because I'm yeah. so used to the song. It's a little surreal. Well, as Cabbage you'll Town see. is a strange name for a place. It is. Well, we're going to talk about why it's named yeah. that. I'm assuming I, I they what. grew a lot of cabbage. <laughs> Let's, we'll get into that. But for here, here's a clip. One of the reasons why Cabbage Town acquired that name, Cabbage Town, is because uh, the women worked side by side with the men in the mills. And I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the way in which cabbage is, uh, is cooked, but it's one of the few vegetables that you can literally boil all day long. Uh, and it just gets mushier and mushier and mushier, which for some reason seems to be the desired objective in cooking cabbage. So uh, when visitors would uh, go by the mill housing in the, uh, in the area, they would often smell cabbages cooking because they'd cook all day. Yeah, this is a vegetable you can put on in the morning, come back, uh, come back home later, and, and it would be ready. I have to say that guy is a great piano player. <laughs> the, the, the fact that he can tell that story yeah. while riffing on piano like that is impressive. If you sh- you got to see the YouTube video where he's doing that. Mm-hmm. He's got sunglasses on. He's sm- he has a c- cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He's in a smoky nightclub, and he's just telling the audience about where the name Cabbage Town comes from. It's really cool. Wow. It's a weird idea to do, but um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. So the town smelled like cabbage, which I think that is uh, <laughs> seems like a bad thing. I guess that's in the the nose of the beholder, as they say. <laughs> okay. If that's a, a positive thing or not. Um, I know every time I see cabbages, I think of the song Cabbage Town. They've ruined cabbages for me, people. Let's listen to another clip from this documentary because this really nails uh, what Flansburg is uh, speaking about, singing about in the song. No, let's talk more about cabbage. If we think about some of our stereotypical impressions of of Appalachian communities, we think of something called the land ethic. Uh, This is my mountain. My family has lived on this mountain. We will not be moved. There are elements of that that uh, are present in the culture of Cabbage Town. Why, as the city of Atlanta became economically robust, as it grew over time, became an interesting and diverting area, but Cabbage Town stayed the same, why would people stay? while mills were falling by the wayside, needing to make technical improvements, uh, becoming uneconomic to operate. Here was a mill who was uh, acquiring contracts Jesus in the tarps for World War I, for World War II. Someone got murdered. For the Koreans. Here, the homogenous workforce that had stayed with that mill year after year after year again was making just enough to stay profitable and making just enough to stay attached to the mill. That's the way that Cabbage Town stayed almost an unchanged island, uh, uh, an, an industrial anachronism. The, the main employer in this area be the same from 1886 to 1970. What kind of skills do those workers take with them when the mill closes in 1970? And that, that really is one of the saddest chapters in Cabbage Town's history, you know. What happened post-mill? First of all, again, the fact that he can play that classical guitar while he's talking about uh-huh. the history of Cabbage Town is really impressive. This guy's a jack-of-all-trades piano player. Do you not like the background music in these clips? <laughs> it's a little loud. Yeah. Um, uh, Unchanged Island is what my ears yeah. perked up at when I was... Uh, Mine get, perked uh, up at the guy screaming. <laughs> I know. I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> um, yeah, that was interesting, too. If you watch on YouTube, there a guy pops through the... like, Kind of like the Kool-Aid man, like yeah. crashes through the wall behind him and just goes, ah! <laughs> and he's... The narrator is un, unfazed. Keeps playing. He just keeps playing, and he keeps talking about the history of Cabbage Town. Um, yeah, Unchanged Island really fits the lyrics of this song. Dave, I wanted to know what you thought of, of the lyrics. Um, I have them in front of you. 
because I know you you refuse to memorize lyrics mm. for this show. Yeah. So let's talk about the first verse. Okay. I was laying on the porch. Do you think he's actually laying like in a chair or is he laying on the like I think wooden floorboards? Floor because he's talking to the dog. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of cute, but it's also kind of the whole song's like a very depressing yeah. vibe. Um, it's interesting to me in general that Flansburg even wanted to. Has he been there? You know, that's what I mean. Because if he's yeah, been, why this place? Yeah, it's it, it's. There's two. I have two guesses. One is he was. I've done this too. What you see a, an interesting name of a town just on a in a, in an article or on a map, and you go, "Oh, I like that name. I'm going to write yeah. a song about it." Like I've done that. Well, Cabbage Town as a name seems very quaint, very old world. It, it says so much yeah. in the name. I, I love names like that actually, or that say a lot. Or he did. He knows someone there. He passed through. Yeah. He stayed there for a time, and it, it affected him. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. But um, so I mean, I am interested that he even wrote this song at all. It seems a little more maybe serious as another. It's a little more real world serious than some of their other songs, sure. which, are, which are more like of a morbid, serious, a more like Edgar Allan Poe thing of like ah death and existential questions. Where this is more like it's almost a political song in a sense. Right. Yeah, I love the line. There are so many big ideas we could talk about, but nothing that gets said gets us out of. I mean, I think that's relatable for sure. a lot of people. Anyone in a small town dreams, b- big dreams, small town. Oh. That's the line that stuck out to me. I'll leave and I'll return. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. There's a destiny to it. No escape. Yeah. It's like you leave out the door and then you're back there again, like a magical forest or something. (laughs) Yeah. It's like how I ended up a block away from where I grew up somehow. Me too. Me too. And that's uh, bad. I live on the same. Good or it doesn't matter. It's we, I've, we talk, I've talked to our friend Daniel about this a lot, you know, because we debate on, on things like this where I'm like. You know, well, he lives very far away from yeah, I know. Queens. He had the opposite instincts as us, yeah. which is to go far. And, and I 100% understand that. I've, yeah. I've always been like, oh, I like this area. Or, you know, it's like, what's wrong with that? But I, I do get depressed sometimes. I, I live on the same block as my junior high and, and I get yeah. sad while passing it because I'm like, all right, I'm a little sick of this, seeing this with my eyes. Well, can, weird, I, can it be like a memory? Yeah. <laughs> do, do I have to see the memory every day? You know, this is New York City. But, baby. <laughs> baby. But we're still, there's still some of the same sentiment in Queens mm-hmm. of, uh, I don't know, being stuck in a rut maybe. Yeah, Queens has little small neighborhoods that yeah. you can see like the Empire State Building from from it, but you're still kind of in a little small But don't you think wherever the fuck you grow up, sorry, I didn't mean to curse, wherever you grow up, you're going to get a little bored. I mean, whatever, you could be in the East Village and then you're just walking around the East Village for 30 years and you're like, I fucking hate this place. Yeah, I've had that, you know, I have a song plug for myself. My, my SoundCloud, I uploaded a demo called Avenue Hate. Whoa. That's a, uh, I wrote, it's kind of meant, not meant to be super deep title, but it was based on one night, me and Kristen, um, mm-hmm. a few years, like three years ago, we were walking around on Avenue A and I was have, getting a flood of, of memories of me and you, Dave, and our friends. Dating. <laughs> Walk like hanging out doing shows on Avenue A, yeah. Pyramid Club, and sure. Sidewalk FA, and Niagara, Niagara, Odessa, Odessa Diner, and and I was getting all these. Um, Went out of business. I I was getting all these memories, and then I started to resent that I was having this nostalgia for a time that 
that I recall feeling very unwelcome and anxious on yeah. Like I never felt I fit in on yeah. Avenue A. I felt it was too cool for me. Sure. So it's a song about that weird thing of like, I, I have, it's not that I want to go back to this time, but I'm having these weird mixed feelings about it. I was trying to figure that out. There's no such thing as the good old days. <laughs> like Dave, yeah, that's one of Dave's songs. Yeah. Well, we we're very. I mean, I think Plugs. we both. I think we both like Cabbage Town because we relate a Available lot to on the, Spotify. The, <laughs> the sentiment. Look it up. I'll say Elma Meyer liked Avenue Hate. I sent her my music, and that's, oh, nice. that's the song she picked Shout out. Shout out. Possibly because it was the first song on the playlist. <laughs> that's all Most she heard. Likely. But maybe because she really liked it. Well, she said, I like the dissonance in it, which makes sense for oh. her. But anyway, Dave, let's move on to the second verse because there's lots of. What? Didn't we talk about that? The second verse, there's only two verses. Don't worry. Oh, thank God. The third verse is just O, O, O. O, O, O. So, Dave, I talked to my old granddad. As he, th- so I'll say this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Already laughing. I love the lyrics to this verse because they're dreamlike and haunting to me. Um, they, they don't yeah. make a logical sense. And I, I also think this is why this puts this song above what you might hear a lot of like, you know, a lot of like punk kind of songs about wanting to leave Careful. your hometown. Careful. <laughs> you know, that horrible genre of music that <laughs> has no redeeming value. Yes. Um, All too well. No, like a Blink-182 song or something about wanting to leave your, your crummy town. Yeah. We've actually talked about this on the show before. It's like a whole genre, really. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, I think it goes through more than just punk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um, like a Bon Jovi kind of... Disco. Spring, Springsteen thing. I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so... Leave the docks. <laughs> there's a lot of songs about the docks. docks. The docks are a whole genre. I want to write a song about wanting to go to the docks. Yeah. Um... This verse, though, to me, elevates it because it's it adds surrealism mm-hmm. and yeah. kind of a you know a mystical quality that is why I love they might be giants and I think Flansburg's you know especially great at what part's surreal. I talked to my old granddad <laughs> as he fell into the sea. Oh, he said, "Time and tide are one." The fact that he's saying a quote while he's, he's falling, falling into, into the, the sea, yeah. and by the way, even just saying the sea is is a weird way to say it. Yeah, yeah. like where are they? Are they in the middle of the ocean? Like it's there's something very um, strange about that. It's it's yeah. got this. It's got a kind of like Moby Dick like exactly uh, mythical quality to it. You know, and um, it kind of implies like that's the history of the town. Like his father was a seafaring fisherman captain got eaten up by a kraken or something (laughs) i talked to my old granddad as he fell into the sea he said time and tide are one thing that no one understands i talked to my uncle jack Tried to talk to me with a bottle in one hand and another in the other. Oh. Um, we can talk a little about this this reference. Um, time and tide are one thing that no one understands. So time and tide. So there's a there's phrase. A soap opera, right? <laughs> as the time and tide turns yeah. um, time and tide wait for no man is what I believe this is playing mm-hmm. off of and, and that's an, a phrase which uh, is from I looked it up it said it's if the first appearance of it is in the year 1225 which is a long time ago it's pretty old that's pretty fucking old oh time and tide wait for no man it, what it means is that people cannot stop the passing of time and therefore should not delay doing things 
which is perfect for this song, which is about... On the other hand, no. <laughs> follow your dreams because you you try to escape because if you just keep on putting it off, you may never escape, Listen, right? Listen, I didn't come here for a lecture, okay? <laughs> came here to hang out with my friend, have drink some coffee. Yeah. I don't want to get bummed out. But I guess that's what Cabbage Town is uh, kind of about. It's a, it's a sad start to the episode, but I think <laughs> the, the, the rest of the tracks are, are not as sad, really. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be like a rocket to the moon. Actually, I Blame You is really sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the saddest songs I think yeah. he's ever written. Yeah. And I, I like it yeah, a lot. We're getting ahead of ourselves. But um, then he says, I talked to my Uncle Jack. I tried to see if Uncle Jack was a reference to anything, but it, it's yeah, not. Yeah, I was it, wondering about that. It's not as far as I could tell. Um an arbitrary name. Yeah, it might it might have some personal meaning to him or it might be a weird reference I couldn't find. I really love this line too, as he tried to talk to me with a bottle in one hand and another Ooh. in the other. Here's a question that That's just a rough line. occurred to me. Do you think he's holding two liquor bottles or is he holding like a bottle of pills and a bottle of liquor? Kind of like I still little bottle. Yeah, that makes that might make more sense, quote, but I assumed it was two liquor the bottles. The absurdity of someone yeah. holding two. I mean, we have, last time we recorded the podcast, I had two different kinds of coffee <laughs> on the desk right. in front of me. Um, so I don't not, think he's holding a bottle of Coca-Cola. I'll tell you no, that. No, no, no. I, uh, I think it's a pretty blatant uh, lyric about alcoholism. <laughs> yes, yes. I would assume. I've been wrong before. I you, could be wrong again. I also love the second verse, the music. Again, it, it captures the lyrics so well, but it's just, all you hear is, it's just John Linnell. It's mm-hmm. it's like his, his I'm, again, I'm sort of guessing here, a bass clarinet, and it sounds like the buttons on the accordion or mm-hmm. something bouncing off each other while Flansburg's right in the middle singing of the stereo field. It's like, they don't do that sort of thing too often. It's, it's, it's like sparse. I'd almost say that some of these B-sides seem to lead in the direction that they're heading where it's more real instruments and less MIDI. Mm -hmm. This kind of reminds me almost of like, you know, we'll talk about like the Why Does the Sunshine single where it's Whirlpool, like these kind of interesting arrangements and there's a a warmth to the sound that I really love. Um, I also love the bridge where they're going, oh, and it's like these really high notes on the accordion. It almost veers into kind of silly because he's doing this like deep voice, like oh, mm-hmm. like, chant. Yeah, it kind of sounds like like a like a coal miner like right. song or something. Like sure. sixteen tons, what do you get? Um, it's it almost veers into the what they would you know people would call quirky. But I, to me, because we're so used to their sound, like I, to me, I'm just like this is sad and it sounds sad. I think so. You know what I mean, though. Yeah. <laughs> funny because this like sort of like we said about the coal miner thing like this mm. this documentary is all about how everyone worked in the mill and it, it the o's really gives a feeling of like blue collar workers yeah. kind of pounding away and you know it really has that like chain gang sort of feel to it and i've never really thought about that yeah. before but it fits it fits so well that chord progression is very dramatic yeah what, and very lofty i wonder what, I wonder what that very is heady let's check the the chords on the old the wiki i feel like it's a chord progression that bad religion does a lot yeah it's like an e minor it starts with a minor which is yeah. you know e minor is a big uh, big empty sad kind of 
It's funny because on my album, Dave, that we made yeah. that we made together, my song "All I Ever Wanted" is yeah, about it's... wanting to escape yeah. my parents' house when I was in my twenties still. And it, that song's an E minor. It starts with an E minor, and it's it's sim- almost the same chords as this song, which wasn't on on purpose. E I minor, swear. D, C, yeah. And then when it goes to the G, that's almost a major. Yeah, well, it gives it gives that slight feeling of hope, yeah. and it's like comes crushing down again when it goes back to E minor. You know, I yeah. I, I love see the thing about songwriting though. I think we should point out that a lot of this is instinctual. It's not like Flansburg right. sitting there with like a <laughs> with like a you know, lab, a lab coat being like, mm-hmm. oh, this would mean this. And, the, you know, a right. lot of this is just your, I think Flansburg has amazing instincts with, with this stuff. Um, I'd almost say Flansburg is a more emotional songwriter in that way than Linnell. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Flansburg more attempts to match the emotion to the chords, hmm. m- right? More than Linnell, a little bit, a little. I mean, obviously the rules are broken a lot, yeah. but I, I think I've noticed this more with him where it's like- Well, Linnell seems a slightly more technical musician. Yeah, yeah there's, for Linnell, I think it's like melody, 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 and yeah. these great, you know, progressions that sound that sound really nice. Whereas, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's I'm who sure knows? people can email us. Uh, who cares? <laughs> yeah, who listens to this show? Barely anyone, um, technically. It. Oh, I just wanted to play one more clip from this documentary because I actually think this this little clip from the documentary kind of evokes like Flansburg writing about the town a little bit, and you'll you'll see what I mean. On the one hand, many people in Atlanta perceive of Cabbage Town as a, an area that is culturally homogenous folk crafts, uh, quaint in a sense. The architecture is, is older and it's, it's, it's chic to look at Cabbage Town. It's, it's chic to think of it as this, this island of another culture. To me, that could almost be talking to Flansburg. Like it's like, oh, on the outside, people see it as chic. They see it as kind of a, almost like a, I don't know. It's like when you go to like, you visit some weird small town and you're kind of taking photos. I mean, I, I'm guilty of this. My whole road trip that yeah. I did recently was, <laughs> was basically me and Kristen being like, look at this weird little town with this weird stuff. They're real people, you know? No, I know. I know. It's a strange. It's not a zoo. I, this is what I'm talking about. This is a weird uh, I- internal conflict because we want to be respectful, but it's also, it is a little strange to be in a town that's so different from what you're used to. People take pictures of New York. <laughs> that's true. It's just a thing you do. Yeah, they take pictures of dead bodies in Times Square. Dave, I think we've eaten all the cabbage (laughs) in this town that we could. Boy. I am full. Let's move on to the next track on the I Palindrome My single. And I am am shaking in my boots, ready, (laughs) excited to talk about Sifting. While listening to Sifton over and over, I kept, when I was calling my girlfriend into the room, I kept going, Kristen. (laughs) I don't think she knew what I was doing, (laughs) but it worked so well. Like, are you having a stroke? (laughs) Yeah. 
Dave, what's your problem with Sifton? You let it out, you get it off your chest finally. How do you decide how to name an instrumental? <laughs> I don't know. Well, well, I can. the only thing really note I have about the lyrics is that Sifton means, so this really annoyed me when I, I wanted a nice uh, definition of Sifton to say. And when you Google, <laughs> <To> sift. <laughs> when, you, when you Google the definition of Sifton, it says the action of sifting something, yeah. <laughs> which is like, awesome. fuck you. Yeah. So a, a better one would be, to make a close examination of all the parts of something in right. order to find something or to separate what is useful from what is not. It's kind of like when I edit the show and I cut out all the things Everything Dave, Dave say. says. And, yeah. I guess that doesn't make sense for the song because there's so many different instruments weaving in and out it of it. It kind of works, yeah. yeah. A secondary uh, definition was a, a baking term to put oh, flour, yeah. sugar, et cetera, through a sieve. Sieve? Sieve? Sieve. Sieve. <laughs> um, to break up large pieces. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it's about that. It's about making muffins. Yeah, I like the idea that maybe it's it's just a self-reflection on their their arrangements or their, mm -hmm. their whole catalog, maybe, right, like right. going through all their songs. I, who knows? It, it works. It feels like Sifton when you listen to the song. Um, we've got Kurt Hoffman on saxophone. We do. In the first verse of it. Uh, I'll say in a general sense, uh, I've always, like... <laughs> been in love with this song. <laughs> yeah. I've always loved Sifton so much. The only way I could describe it is it gave me this nostalgic like video game soundtrack feel. Mm. To me, it sounds like a Donkey Kong Country level. It's got kind of like jungle jungle rhythm, like doop, 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 doop. Um, yeah, yeah, I dig it. It's got this MIDI, um, almost like we were saying about Roman songs, like it's got this Linnell home studio. I think Linnell made it. Um, it's got this great feel. I love just the, the textures of it. It's kind of like a MIDI auto harp or harpsichord or something throughout. Um, I've always just really loved Stifton, like a lot. I know it's just an instrumental B-side, but this is, to me, this is like top tier. They might be giants just because it, it, it makes me so happy. Like yeah. I just, I smile when it comes on. It is joyful. Yeah, it's joyful. There's something that always like uh, uh, enters my head when this is like in a later verse. So you've got this like Flansburg guitar solo, like... Yeah, blazing guitar. Blazing solo. guitar. And, and yeah. also, I don't know if you've ever listened on headphones, but it goes from one ear to the other mm -hmm. at the start of it. So it travels, Sifton, it sifts from sifts from like your your right ear to your left ear. And then as it finishes, because he goes the kind of little like, it goes back to the right ear again. Like it came back, it, it went back to where it came from. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to say though, is you got this, this, this to me is They Might Be Giants in a nutshell, You've got this blazing guitar excellence. You've got this <laughs> blazing guitar solo from Flansburg, um, but it also sounds very careful and it, like it's kind of like what we talked about last time. Like there's no reverb to it; it's very like dry and Flansburgy. And then you've got the Barry Sax come in mm -hmm. like, and I'm like, this is they might be giants to me. Yeah. these sounds, this soundscape is what the band is in my mind. It's like, I sort of have mentioned this a lot, but it's like when Weird Al did his parodies, like he did that. He had the Barry Sachs come in, yeah. uh, you know, halfway through a verse. You know what I mean? When they did that song that I already mentioned once, I'm, I'm All You Can Think About, there's a part where the, the Barry Sachs comes in and I'm like, this is the most they've sounded like they might be giants to me in, in a few years, like right. when that song came out, right? Like I was like, oh my God, 
it the it gives me this like feel. It gives me this like fan feel <laughs> that I can't. Yeah, the song exemplifies their sound. Yes, yes. I think. Um, the only I had that in my notes as well. I'm not just uh, imitating I'm, what you're saying. Oh, that's good to know. I could actually use more imitating what I'm saying. Okay. The only thing about the history of the song is, is that's interesting. Is that similar to to like spacesuit? They they this was in concerts in the '80s. Let's listen to this. Is actually, a stereo quality uh, bit from. And this sounds essentially like the demo of Sifton, because this is an earlier version. And so in this case, we're not going to talk about the demo of Sifton in the demo episode coming up next, because mm-hmm. let's just knock it out here, because that episode is going to be way too too many things to talk about. But like, let's listen to this. This is from opening. This is as they're walking on stage mm-hmm. at a live show from uh, 1989, tail end of 89. Yeah, you've, you've got the audience cheering and that's welcome, welcoming them on stage. So it's almost a little bit of a bewitched vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It, it sounds like yeah, like a classic sitcom yeah, theme or like a '60s thing. Yeah, there. I think I think there's a lot hidden underneath the surface of Sifton, and maybe we could sift through it and maybe figure it all out. But I always just think of like a jungle video yeah. game. Do you like Sifton, audience listeners? <laughs> um, write to us. Let's do this now. All right. Write <laughs> write to us at don't let's start podcast at gmail.com we got a lot of great emails in the past few weeks actually so um, many we got a lot <laughs> so many emails We're drowning i even responded to a few dave responded you got the rare yeah. you got the dave response yeah feel lucky feel honored don't let's start podcast at gmail.com tell us what you think of these b-sides did we miss something well fuck you don't, don't tell me that because yeah. it pisses me off no just kidding um i we've gotten some we actually got some emails where i'm like oh that's a great yeah. point Wow, I wish I said that. Yeah, speaking of suicide. <laughs> I, I, I both love and hate that in a way, but it's nice that the, the people who listen are so engaged and, you know, right on top of everything. So anyway, we're going to move on from Sifton, I think. Because, I had a question before oh, we move on. Okay. Is there a female vocalist in there? You hear what I'm talking about? Let's, let's check it out, about? actually. The La La La's. I hear a female vocalist in there. I, I know what you mean. It might be digitally put up. You think? I, I do hear that it seems like it's both of them. I, I hear Flansburg. I hear that, but I hear a distinctly feminine timber. This kind of has like a 50s commercial feel to it. Like mm-hmm. you said, like Bewitched, like yeah. it, it kind of has this like vintagey feel, you know, almost like a vacuum cleaner commercial or something. Mm-hmm. Um, the next track is Larger Than Life, the Joshua Freed remix of she's actual size in my humble opinion yeah. we talked about this for like 45 minutes with joshua freed well, that's a fact i himself. mean it's not an opinion yeah um that did happen i want to direct our listeners in case you're skipping around we discussed this track so in yeah. depth with, with joshua free that i don't really know what more me and dave could add to it 
Um, I've always found it to be very interesting remix, very uh, unusual for They Might Be Giants yeah, catalog. Got it straight from the guy who made it. So yeah, so so can't get more than that. In the interest of of being being able to talk about you know all these songs in this episode, yeah. I direct you to our interview with Joshua Freed. He was amazing. He was so. He went was beyond our expectations yes. about how detailed he went into every little thing in these these Generous, songs he did. Thorough, yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. So check that out. And now we're going to move on to the guitar single, yeah. which is such a gem. Before we get to the tracks on this, let's uh, get to the facts. Let's. Get, <laughs> that's good. Ugh. I like that. No, Dave, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, Yuck. We've got uh, a really cool cover that I've always liked. It's it's photo of Laura Cantrell, the Laura Cantrell who sings on the song the guitar, yeah. holding a guitar, and makes sense. Dave, would you believe it? When yes. we talked to Laura Cantrell, we talked a little bit about this photograph, and let's listen to that bit, a little bit. All right, let's go. A little bit. So I kind of feel like it was September when we when we recorded the actual vocal at the magic shop and then maybe mm. a month later or a couple months later. So it was not, um, and I could be off. It could have been August or February right. or whatever, but, um, <laughs> jogs any, yes, <laughs> but a, a short span like of time Dexter later, showing the serial killer victims. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he, so Flans was like, I don't know if it was like the day before I'd been out till very late, like three mm-hmm. in the morning and then I think he might have called in the morning and said, do you have time today mm. to do a, a photo shoot for, oh, yeah. we're going to make a single of, and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Interesting choice for yes. a single. So, um, so I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, I've been out kind of late. <laughs> so I think that's partially why you don't see my whole face because I'm <laughs> kind of look like Bloodshot girl eyes. haggard, um, <laughs> otherwise, but, uh, and we literally, like, I just put on a dress. Gra- this was my guitar, the mm. National, that had belonged to my... It was a gift to my mom that I brought to New York. And it was a really old, like, guitar from the 40s that was never super functional. I never could really play it in a mm. band setting. Yeah. But it was the coolest-looking guitar I had. Mm-hmm. So I grabbed <laughs> that. And we just went down the street. And he, like, snapped some pictures on whatever camera he had. And then we were done. I think we went to, like... Kellogg's, the diner afterwards. Like, oh, I love know, that thing. <laughs> so. You're going to get the full Laura Cantrell interview in a future episode. We did talk more about They Might Be Giants and her collaborating. We talked about the music video for the guitar, which she's right. in, and a bunch of other touring with them. So look out for that in a handful of episodes. Uh, that'll be exciting. And thank you, Laura, again, for for telling us all this yes. stuff and agreeing to meet with two weirdos yes. with a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, let's move on. And the first track we're going to talk about, we're going to just kind of blaze through this one, the Guitar Williamsburg mix. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Here we go. Okay, so this will be easy. Um, this is basically the guitar. Yep. Here's my theory that I just thought of today. Remember mm-hmm. in our guitar segment? No. <laughs> um, Flansburg had said there was a longer version of the song. 
mm-hmm. and that it had some sort of extended thing. This version's like nine seconds longer, yeah. and it has that little uh, breakdown that we just played a clip of. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think this is that early version? Maybe it's called Williamsburg Mix because he's like, this is an early one, and then for some reason, maybe he thought it just killed the flow yeah. too much, yeah. right? It, it is interesting. It's possible. I don't think this is uh, a different song, really. Well, so there's only two differences. There's a little breakdown, and they also put an echo on the vocals towards the end only. But can you call that a remix? It is technically a remix. Well, technically. I mean, look, I find it fascinating because I'm I'm interested in all the different versions of how this song came together. Um, but yeah, that that's the extent of it. The, the guitar, Williamsburg mix. Do you like the little breakdown, Dave? What's your opinion? I could take it or leave it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's kind of what they yeah. thought of it too. I don't think it's necessary. I, I like the guitar as it is. Yeah, it's not the most. <laughs> thanks, Dave. It's not the most like exciting addition because it's just the bass going do do do. You'd think as a bass player, I'd be all for more bass notes, but in this case, I don't think it was necessary. Well, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Um, and there was nothing we could do. Let's move on next to Excellent. a much more, uh, <laughs> let's say, out of this world remix of yeah. the guitar. Well, this is a, like a remix. The guitar <laughs> outer planet mix. And we're also going to talk about the f- even further outer planet mix. Inner they're, planet. They're the same uh, song. I'd like to take this opportunity to ask every person listening in, whoever, wherever they may be, to pause for a moment and to give thanks in his or her own way. The guitar Outer Planet mix and uh, later on the uh, EP, the guitar even further Outer Planet mix. Um, uh, I'm. I saw you I, dancing. I feel yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like I can guess what you think of this, but I, I I'm not what? totally sure. Well, I feel like you're not the biggest fan of remixes. Uh, unless they kind of, I mean, I know you like the world's address one because yeah. there's a lot of interesting yes, material. Exactly. What do you think of this one, Dave? I, I don't know. This is unpredictable for me. I don't know what you think of this. Well, it's funny. It's uh, a paradox in nature because the, the Joshua Freed world's address remix is almost so remixed. It's like a different song, right? So then you may say, yeah. I'm just a fan of different songs. <laughs> yeah. I like different songs. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Uh, I think once you've heard the song, you like it, that version of it. And I think you're right. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of remixes, but I do like that they put space themes in yeah. the song. I wanted to talk about that too, which I kind of forgot to do. What, what I love about the guitar EP as a whole yeah. is that it furthers the themes of Apollo 18, which yeah. is animals and outer space and also like heartbreak. And, and you know, like th- this is... These songs all fit in on Apollo 18 perfectly. Yeah. And the the fact that, so the guitar itself has a spate with the lion and outer space and stuff, but the, the fact that they're leaning hard into it for the mm-hmm. remix, I love that. I, I love that kind of confidence in like, you know, in the themes and stuff that it's it's really like we're, we're leaning completely in. I love the even further outer planet mix mm. a lot because it's basically like a new song. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not crazy about the outer planet mix where you still have remnants of the guitar popping in because mm-hmm. to me, um, a lot of it seems incongruous together. Mm-hmm. But then wouldn't it just be a different song? 
You were starting yeah. to stray further and further from the That's source right. material. That's right. Yeah, even further outer planet, yeah. which I think is a very clever way to, to uh, signal that to the yeah. listener. So here's the thing. They're, they Might Be Giants don't have a lot of songs that you could like vibe to and like chill out to for a while. And this one, I love the atmosphere of it. I love that it kind of is repetitive. Mm. I love that you can put it on for like, it's one of the longer tracks <laughs> they've done. Yeah, I also don't have much of a attention span, but that's my problem. Yeah, well, I, I like I like putting this on and because it has a real atmosphere. It has a, a, a spacey nighttime, you know, mysterious feel to it. And I, I've always really liked this a lot. Um, but like I said, the first remix of it where you still have like, hey, and like stuff. To me, that kind of breaks it up Shoe too much. Where, yeah, it's it's kind, of, it's kind of like, I don't think this fits. Though I will say that in the Laura Cantrell part of the remix, kind of they put like a flange on her voice and it kind of fits the, the background music pretty well. The one part that fits really well, though, is when they say, uh, what is it, peace and tranquility? Yeah. And he says, I don't know. Yeah, that's right. That's interesting. <laughs> I never thought of that. That's really good. That's definitely uh, <laughs> an intentional choice. Tranquility Base. I've always wondered for years what the story was with this remix. And um, it turns out, so this group, it's a duo, not unlike John and John, called Cold Cut made the remix. Did you know that? No. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Why? Why did they do it? Uh, that's a great question. I got, I tried to get in touch with them uh, for the wow. past several weeks, and I got no response. They may they, not be together anymore. No, they still are because they're they still like do tweets and like Facebook stuff and all that. Um, I like the name. No, I know they they've been together for like twenty years. Mostly because I like cold cuts. Cold cuts, yeah. Um, so I did reach out, but there might be a they might respond in the future on a delay, and mm. then maybe we can talk about it. But as far as I know, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about why they're involved. Let's listen to another Cold Cut remix, because this one to me sounded a lot like the guitar one they did. And you, you can kind of hear their other stuff they did. This is called Bass for Love, and it's from 1990, around the same time. Mm. That one, that one's kind of the same tempo, I thought, and a similar rhythm. Yeah. Um, this one is really. <laughs> this next one is called. Uh, you can guess where this comes from. Stop this crazy thing, and it's uh, that's a Jetsons thing, and and you, this one is very sample heavy, so you kind of see what what they typically do. Let's just check this one out briefly. Dave is fucking cutting a rug right now. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so you see, that's what they do. They do a lot of stuff, actually. They, they're they involved in multiple bands. and Reminds me of Monopuff a little bit. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think, gotta say. I, I think, think that's why Flans likes them. I have a strong suspicion that all the remix stuff was initiated by Flansburg in their right. career, right? Yeah. Don't you think? But, um... So let's listen to some of the samples that they use. Um, unfortunately, I don't know where the music comes from. I don't know if they created the music, if they put took pieces of the tracks from the guitar and mm-hmm. messed with it to make the music. Like, for example, the drum beat or the there's like fuzzy sound, guitar sounds. I don't know where that comes from. And I really wanted to ask them that. Like, what is some of the sa- sources? But what I can do is what some of the uh, vocals you hear are. Right. So the thing that begins the song is uh, Buzz Aldrin, he's like religious and he wanted to to do a communion while he was in like the rocket ship. And I think NASA Mm. told him no, but he kind of went, he kind of, yeah, I don't know, because it's like a religious thing, but he kind of got around it in a way and he sort of did it anyway. So this this was like, what I found was this was kind of Buzz Aldrin's communion in the rocket ship. And that's where- That's a good name for a band. That's that's where the intro comes from. And let's listen to a little bit of that. Uh, Houston, Tranquility, over. Tranquility, Houston, go ahead. Roger, this is the Lem Pilot. I'd like to take this opportunity to ask every person listening in, whoever, wherever they may be, to pause for a moment and contemplate the events of the past few hours and to give thanks in his or her own way. Over. Roger, Seems okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I can't find anything wrong with that. I remember Twitter was really mad when that happened. There was a lot of fighting. Um, that the, was very not religious. I yeah, mean. I know. It's what I read, though, is that he wanted to do it. NASA was felt weird about it. And then he, that was his version of doing it, kind of like saying grace or something. And I don't know much about religion. I thought it sounded <laughs> fine. Um, the, I think we should do that every day. Yeah. The... Uh, <laughs> Give thanks, you pieces of shit. <laughs> or else you, people should be arrested if they don't. Right. The next... Uh, the, Why do you keep snapping? <laughs> because I'm trying to wake myself to up. wake me up or no, you No, by myself. The next sample that's used throughout the song is actually... Our old friend. Our old friend, Richard Nixon, yeah. uh, TMBG favorite. And I, this, make, this <laughs> makes me wonder how involved Flansburg was in this, if he was at all. It's very, they might be giants to, to do this. Oh, come on. He is, he's all up and down, Nixon. I mean, the thing is, the, um, the very first version of Everything Right is Wrong Again has similar samples from mm-hmm. the Apollo mission to, the, to, Mar- to, the, to Mars. <laughs> that would have been cool. To the moon. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Dave, but uh, I can even play a clip, but we're going to talk about in the future. But uh, the Everything Right is Wrong Again, the original version, the original yeah, demo has I know that these version. clips from that, which is strange because that song to me has nothing to do with, <laughs> with that at all. At the end, right? Yeah, one small yeah. man. All the dishes got broken and the car kept driving And nobody would stop to say Um, but so 
uh, Richard Nixon called Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong. Old tricky dick. And he said, <laughs> well, it's funny because when you listen to this, you'll see that this is like a very eloquent and sweet uh, <laughs> statement from Nixon. Yeah. And it's, it really brings to to a time when even when people didn't like a president and or even when the president was corrupt or whatever, yeah. they were still like intelligent human beings yeah. <laughs> who could like put together a sentence. Uh, we're, sure. we're far from that lately, yeah. but um, let's listen to this. Talk about Biden, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of, <laughs> but um, we can kind of, uh, oh boy. Well, we stick it to both sides on this show. Yeah. Um, we, a lot of the samples in the song are from this one um, conversation, this one bit from Richard Nixon to them. And, and let's listen to this. Cause I, I thought this was a really nice uh, sentiment. Jordan loves Nixon. You heard it here first. Favorite president. Hello, Neil and Buzz. I'm talking to you by telephone from the Oval Room at the White House. And this certainly has to be the most historic telephone call ever made. Because of what you have done, the heavens have become a part of man's world. And as you talk to us from the sea of tranquility, it inspires us to redouble our efforts to bring peace and tranquility to Earth. For one priceless moment in the whole history of man, all the people on this earth are truly one. One in their pride in what you have done. And one in our prayers that you will return safely to earth. Hello? <laughs> well, I think I think the connection got a. I think the Zoom call broke up there. Um, yeah, that, that's where a lot of the sample then comes Buzz from. Buzz was like, "I didn't get that. Say it again." <laughs> yeah. um, I'm shitting on someone who's been to fucking the moon. All right. And then the final sample is, is certainly a obviously famous thing, but let's just listen to it anyway because this is this. I think this uh, ends the remix uh, towards the end. Okay, Neil, we can see you coming down the ladder now. Okay, I just checked uh, getting back up to that first step. Uh, it's uh, that doesn't collapse too far, but uh, it's that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. So yeah, the famous, uh, the famous <laughs> Mister. Uh, you know, astronaut man yeah. uh, on the moon. It's crazy. Did you do people know that people were on the moon? I know these new these new this new generation. They don't know a lot of stuff, right? I think people, people know. walked <laughs> on the moon, and it's it was a big deal. I still think that's crazy. Well, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing. Speaking mu about the music in this, yeah. uh, the reason I like this as a remix, um, maybe more than others, even is. I don't know there there's a atmosphere to it like these droning guitar chords and solos it, yeah. it's something that because John and John are so structured in, in how they do everything and every, everything is very arranged and there's not a lot of like wailing guitars and feedback mm. and you know there's just not a lot of that which is fine because they're they're like you know you can compare this instrumental to like Sifton mm -hmm. it's like they're from different planets yeah. <laughs> no pun intended there but like but so I, I really love how this this one is is kind of long and and kind of atmospheric and it's just kind of there's a lot of dissonance and interesting textures. I, I've always really liked it a lot, and I I, rem I have very vivid memories of playing the CD in my like little boombox when I you know in my old room and just like letting this play and being like this is cool. I, I feel kind of like cool <laughs> listening to this because it's not a very cool EP otherwise. Really, was this a track you played a lot? 
I did, I did. I played this EP a lot, for sure. The whole EP, over and over. The only other thing is I, I used to think Flansburg made the, I think someone on like the old news group or mailing list on the internet back in the 90s, someone planted it in my head that uh, Flansburg made this remix. And I was, hmm. I thought that until this week <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> when I know. looked up that it was cold cut. Uh, so I feel a little foolish. That's a good place to end. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the next track, which is exciting. Yeah. It's a favorite of yours. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle gym. Welcome to the jungle gym. Welcome to it, Jim. Welcome to the jungle land. Welcome to the jungle den. Welcome to it, John. Think you're gonna like it. Think you're gonna like it once you give it a jungle a chance. Think you're gonna like it once you give it a chance. There's a lot of sections of this song to discuss, so let's go. Let's go bit by bit. But oh orgasmic uh the song is for me <laughs> all right i don't oversell it yeah not to not to take dominance of the conversation but i'm just gonna please i'm just gonna go go for it here um this for me is like one i'm of, gonna think about products i want to buy <laughs> uh this is one of the best they might be dying songs this is i love this song I'm so obsessed with this song. Okay, I, I turn I like into it too. I turn into kind of like a, a silly like teenage fan when I hear this song. I, I kind of go back in time a bit. I like it. It's infectious <laughs> on a on a scale unlike few of their songs. I think uh, this might be in my top ten. They might be giant songs. Okay, maybe top five. <laughs> I really love it. I sound like a. I sound like I'm like meeting the song and I'm nervous right now, uh, like a fan. Okay, but um, I just love this song. To me, this is everything great about John Linnell's songwriting uh, on every level. It's so catchy. It's so. I don't know what the hell's going on in the arrangement to make it so mm -hmm. bouncy and fun and. Uh, one of my notes that I put is like, I can listen to the song, which I did, by the way, to prepare. I could listen to the song on a loop like 20 times in a row and just, it just, there's no uh, point where I'm like, all right, that's enough. So let me, I, I, it's like, I can't stop listening to the song. You Dave, have, you have to why admit, do you hate this song? <laughs> you have to admit it's not as good as the Guns N' Roses version though. <laughs> This the title the title of this this P is silent song yeah is um it's a Guns N' Roses song and it sure is what is Guns N' Roses Dave why don't you tell me about Guns N' Roses they're a rock and roll band man classic rock yeah they were big in the eighties uh, uh, I guess nineties they've got a kind of a greasy disposition <laughs> <laughs> to you when I think of them I get like grossed out I don't know about you. There's a little bit of a sleaze to them. There's sure. a, a sweaty, yeah. Well, let's. They're let's, that L.A. underbelly kind of band. <laughs> um, my sister listened to Guns N' Roses a lot, mm -hmm. and uh, I did too by proxy. I like Guns N' Roses. It's a very fun voice to imitate. Let's say that much at least. 
<laughs> that's fine. You know, if you like them, that's fine. I was just kidding. They're, they're not my kind of music, but... Um, I'm not like in love with I, them, but... I don't deny them their success in their field <laughs> of study. <laughs> it's not like I'm a huge fan of them, but every time I listen to them, I like... I'm like, yeah, I like this. <laughs> that's good. I'm glad you do. It's just Now fun. you can ex- yeah. <laughs> show yourself out. <laughs> All right. Well, it's um, been nice knowing you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because there's a few... Um, over the years, They Might Be Giants have referenced... Guns N' Roses in various ways. Here's John Linnell himself referencing the Guns N' Roses album, The Spaghetti Incident, which came out in 93, and this is him making a little joke on stage. This next song is from our album, The Spaghetti Incident. And it's called, it's, it's actually a new song, and it's called Rest a While. And it features the electric guitar. Flansburg references Axl Rose a lot on, on stage. Here, here's one little bit uh, that they did for a while on their tour. I'll just play this for Dave. I remember distinctly for a while, they Flansburg just keep yelling like, hit me with your solo slash. Severe tire damage, and tonight they'll be at CPI, Montreal Highway Hampton Base. I'll be bringing you on tonight. Fuck you! <laughs> we love you! Good night! <laughs> I'll be doing the big intro. We're playing at ICB. CPI. C- yeah, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen from Hollywood, California, Guns N' Roses! Thank you! <laughs> Play your solo slash! Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, which might be a lot of new listeners, uh, young people, Slash is the uh, incredible guitarist. He's one of the best guitarists of all yeah, time. I, I won't deny him that. Yeah. Uh, for Guns N' Roses, he's. I also hear he's, he's a very nice guy. Really? That's just what I hear. Uh, Axel is a from huge his autobiography. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> but Slash, I've heard, is very affable. Mm-hmm. He, I've heard he was like one of the more stable members. <laughs> I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah, well, it's funny you say Axel. You've heard bad. I, I've heard bad things about Axel from Flansburg yeah, from on, Axel. on stage and in yeah. interviews. Like, it, you, you kind of have to give up on trying to control the... Uh, I feel like there's something equally, uh, you know, devilicious about trying to control everyone's behavior at yeah. a show. You know, I mean, there's a great YouTube video of uh, Axel Rose uh, basically wearing the outfit of the, like, a, what was that that movie? He's wearing, like, a feather boa and, like, a... Uh, a motorcycle cap. He's like, he's basically the midnight something or other is the movie from the seventies. He's like clearly art directed outfit. And he's just like freaking out at somebody taking his photograph in the audience. And it just, you know, there's a stadium full of people. And and the only thing that's happening is that this guy in a feather boa and a (laughs) motorcycle cap and, and and like a thong is yelling at somebody taking a photograph of him. It's like, Seems clearly right. ready to be photographed. No. He wants privacy. <laughs> right. Can, can we get a little dignity here on this stage? I've heard bad things about him from Metallica as well. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. They said he was a very selfish person. Self, very selfish person. Yeah. Wow. That's like they're, that's like they're his mom. Yeah. <laughs> like very bad. At, you you have to share your like, birthday. You're selfish. Cake. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, some kind of monster is about Axel Rose, yeah. right? I could find the clip where they talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny. I looked up what Welcome to the Jungle, the Guns N' Roses song is about. And Axel Rose, this is on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Axel Rose sent in a quote that it's about Seattle. <laughs> and he says, this is his quote, it's mm-hmm. a big city, which I, I was just there in Seattle for a few mm-hmm. weeks. 
Um, so I know what he's talking about. It's not about L.A.? He says it's about Seattle. Huh. It's a big city, but at the same time, it's small compared to L.A. And the things that you're going to learn... It seemed a lot more rural up there. I just wrote how it looked to me. If someone comes to town and they want to find something, they can find whatever they want. What a weird... <laughs> I, did, I did not know this was about the jungle. I mean, first of all, as we talked about with songwriting, and I wouldn't even deny this to Axl Rose, like you, you start from an inspiration and it mm -hmm. goes in different directions. So I wouldn't say like, oh, every lyric is about Seattle or whatever. Like, I think he still put some of the real jungle ideas in there. Mm -hmm. So I guess what we can then talk about is what is it? what do you think it means that John Linnell was like, I'm going to take the title and make my own very Linnellian song out of, out of that. I think you just like the jungle gym pun. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue into the first line <laughs> of the song. Um, Welcome to the jungle gym is a pun on Jungle G-Y-M, which is like in a playground, yeah. which I think thematically could fit into the song if you really want to think about oh, yeah. what he's saying. And, you know, something I have to point out because it's it's kind of just crazy um, consistency is that, you know, the guitar, this is on the guitar single. The guitar single just keeps going, you know, is it Jim? And we've talked about the Jim, of course. And then the first B-side right after that is Welcome to the Jungle, Jim. And it's... It's almost like it's the same character. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's going to outer space. He's going to the jungle. What the hell is, you know, up with this guy? I have no idea if that's intentional or not, but it, I really love that it all fits together so well. The other possible thing, though, and this might be a little bit of a reach, but I, I thought, why not? Jungle Jim was an old series. So Jungle Jim, J-I-M, was a series of movies and TV shows and mm -hmm. comics, newspaper comics from like the 50s and 60s and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it started out as a comic strip. And, and, you know, Linnell is not a stranger to these weird, obscure comic strips sure. and, and yeah. serials and movies. Pogo and so forth. Yeah, so... Or oh, Alex Raymond, yep. I, yep, I, yep. I only want to play this one clip that I found because it's it's such a They Might Be Giants lyric that I, I couldn't deny it. So here's here's a trailer for a Jungle Gym movie. I don't believe it. Hide before it sees it. Jim, look. Skeleton men. Wow, man. Get up, quick. <laughs> awesome. Skeleton men. Yeah, I, I'll say that if, if, in case you're interested in checking out Jungle Jim audience, uh, it, it might not pass a few... Uh, <laughs> racial sensitivities nope. of the day. It's basically him in a jungle and the natives and yeah. all, all the dangers. And the natives pose. are all Italians. Yeah, that's the weird <laughs> thing. They're all eating pasta and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I, I'm only putting this out there. There's a slight chance it's a reference to Jungle Jim. Look, stranger things have happened. And the only, and the only other thing is uh, I also looked up Jungle Dan, which is the next line. Yeah. And Jungle Dan is a thing. So check this out. Jungle Dan. <laughs> and again, this might not be a reference. Jungle Dan is a random song from 1961 by someone named Jerry Thomas, who I could find very little information on. Mm -hmm. And I could find very little on this song itself. But let's just listen to, to this because maybe John Linnell grew up with this song and liked yeah, it. And maybe, maybe the lyric is a reference. <laughs> Oh, man. 
How many songs are there like this? <laughs> Bing, bop, and a boppin'. Yeah, I've never heard Be that chord quarter, progression baby. before. That was really yeah. a unique song. So what do you think, Dave? You think you think Jungle Jim and Jungle Dan might be pop culture references? It's not unlike Linnell to do that. I was going to ask you what the first few lyrics were about because he says Jungle Ann, Jungle Dan. <laughs> Obviously, the last one is himself or John Flansburg. Welcome to it, John. Um, so who's Ann? I couldn't find anything about uh, Jungle Ann in pop culture. He might have set that up just so he can do the Jungle Dan reference rhyme. I don't know. Well, Possibly for a long, not. a long time, I just thought he was saying and. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> welcome to Jungle and. Yeah. <laughs> so on. Um, I assumed uh, the way I interpret this is, I mean, we'll probably get into this. Yeah. It, it has a very kid-like um, theme running through it. I thought maybe those were just little school friends on the schoolyard and just introducing all of them to me this is a very kid song really that's kid funny i never view. thought of it that way actually well it's just a jungle gym i don't know anybody but mm. kids that play on a jungle gym yeah you know in a music video i made for my own song mm -hmm. tom dead a few years ago is me on a jungle gym in a playground was that an intentional around. reference no to this no it was about uh kind of a i also dressed like an adult in a suit so I was about the contrast and kind of about, I'm always obsessed with how I can't grow up <laughs> sure. my own issues that I don't want to get into. But um, no, I never, uh, I actually didn't see this song as a childhood song, wow. but I don't think you're A lot of the other um, lyrics support that too. Just like uh, looking at a rock, uh, looking at a bug mm. under the rock is very exploratory, like a little kid in the dirt, you know? Yeah. I remember being in my backyard as a kid, like looking at ants and stuff. Sure. You know, um, so you might be right. Um, Push me in the face. That's like how kids fight. <laughs> that's true too. Um, that's, I'm that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I um, this is. I think this is a tough one for John Linnell, and, and I actually think this might be one of, you know, one of the last true like crazy Linnell Riddle songs that I that are very hard to figure out. I just out. figured it out. I, th <laughs> I think his songwriting got a little bit more literal, starting like right after this song, in a way. Interesting. Yeah, I, I could be wrong, but I, I kind of saw this as like, to me, this is like a, almost like would fit on like miscellaneous tea or like mm. any of those crazy lyrics where it's just like, what is going on here? For sure. Um, I did want to read a little bit. Our old friend, uh, Chris Stengel, years ago posted mm -hmm. to the news group about it. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's a couple key lines that kind of opened my mind a bit about the song. Okay, hit me. Let's see if I disagree strongly. <laughs> Just he, kidding, he sort Chris. Of says, it's, Can I call you, Chris? <laughs> he says, and he gave me permission, by the way, to do this. I asked him if it was okay. Did he give you permission for me to call him Chris? No. Mr. Stangle, I presume. He kind of said, he kind of hints that like the songs about like, about people like to pretend that they're at odds with nature, but can't really be because human beings are natural, natural organisms and can't escape that. Welcome to the jungles about taking the terror out of abandoning yourself to mysterious unmapped spaces, among them industrialized patches of land, other cultures, intuition, and love. And he says a few other things too, if, if you could look it up on the newsgroup archive. But he kind of goes into how this song is about this kind of a broad idea of, of you know, do we belong in the jungle? Do we not mm -hmm. belong in the jungle? Like, shouldn't we? Because we're we're all part of this earth. And, you know, I, I just remember year, like years ago reading this and being like, yeah, that, that kind of makes me think a lot about what's going on in, in this song. Because there is a relationship theme in the song. There's definitely like a love-hate thing happening. Yeah. There's a nature thing. There's a, I mean, there's Man so much. nature, yeah. Yeah, there's so much to look into that it's, it's almost like overwhelming. Yeah. You could also see the jungle as a metaphor for childhood. 
metaphor for childhood relationships yeah. about, you know, I mean, it's, it's maybe it's all that and more. Yeah. There, there's no question that it, the lyrics are ambiguous. Uh, there's a very ambiguous lyric towards the end that I'm very, <laughs> I'm interested in t- discussing with you. So the next section of the song, this song is really like different little sections that mm-hmm. I, that again, I love all of them. <laughs> They're all so catchy. Uh, the music, the music. One thing that I thought was interesting about the mix is the first verse, Linnell's vocal is dry. And then as the song continues, it gets more reverby. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever noticed. I did, yeah. I noticed because I listened to it 10 times in a row. Like to me, is that thematic? It's like he's, you're getting more in the weeds. You're getting more lost in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Like you start out like where you're familiar and then you're kind of like swallowed up in this other thing. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, why not? Eh? Why the hell not? You've got Flansburg's really heavy gated guitar in mm-hmm. the first verse, which is just, again, sort of like with Sifton. Like to me, the song just sounds like they might be giants. Classic TMBG. And then when the first verse ends and then the next part, all the drums come in and the bass and everything, it's just like so satisfying. Yeah. It just feels so satisfying. There's a good bass line in there. Yeah, the, the, I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, the bass line is so active throughout the song and it, it has such different, has a different role in each verse. Like, in, in, you know, it, it has all these different like things yeah. that it's doing. Um, so it sure does, Jordan. Think, think you're going to like it. Think you're going to... I mean, it's also a very repetitive song, which I think might be thematic too. Just There's a lot of repeating the same phrases and words over you know, and over who do, again. who does that a lot? Kids. The kids, yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. Or uh, old, very old people. Yeah, old coots. <laughs> think you're going to like it once you've given the jungle a chance. I mean, that's kind of funny. It's just like, give it a chance. You might, yeah. you know, he's trying to like talk you into... It's almost like a commercial for the jungle. It's like, you're going to like it. Yeah. But it's like a weird, it's the whole song's a weird idea to me. You know, it's, it's like, what's at stake for him? Mm. <laughs> Why does he want people to go to the jungle so bad? Whether, even right. if it's a metaphorical jungle. Right. Yeah. And then you've got the, the next part, which is not just gated guitar, but gated voice. Where he's yeah. going, the, ju- uh, uh, you know, I don't even know how they did that. Probably one long note. Yeah, like it's this. It's either that or it sounds like he's just like looping it. Like it's the same uh over mm-hmm. and over, right? I can't tell, honestly. It's like pretty impressive for mm-hmm. the technology of the time. Like, I don't even know how you, you do that. In the jungle, in the jungle, in the jungle, now you will be with me. Put your hand in my hand. A lot of fun keyboard. Yeah, it's it's really like a it's like really this like concoction <laughs> that Linnell kind of made yeah. on his own. It, it's I, it's here. Here's the thing: we kind of introduced this idea before, but like, do you think this should have been on the album? I mean, Jesus Christ! So weird. I was just going to ask you that. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's like one of the best songs they've ever done. But it almost makes it more special that it's a B-side because you've got to find it, right? You've got to go in the jungle. (laughs) Put it on. And like find, you know, you got to scavenge, go on a scavenger hunt. You got to go on a safari into TMBG fandom and and find this rare song. And it's like, oh my God, there's like, you got to lift the rock and discover it. It's almost like Apollo 18 should have been two albums, double album. Yeah, almost. I mean, it's funny because it's like, yeah, I would say this is a better song than like Hypnotist of Ladies or something. Sure. But at the same time, you know, they've talked about this. But is like, it too good? <laughs> yeah, it might be. Uh, at, you know, Hypnotist of Ladies gives a different vibe that is maybe welcome on, on the album. It's it's like a cool 
sexy vibe and then like this it's like you, do you want turn around and then this and it's like you're you're like okay i've heard so many mm. kind of uh these kind of you know what i mean it, it's hard to say i mean I, I know if it was me i'd put it on an album <laughs> i think it should have been a double album and D- yeah. this could have opened disc two this is a great opener actually because yeah. it's saying welcome to the you yeah. know um yeah, yeah it fits right with mammal and spider and all those like animal songs and stuff so um who knows in another life maybe so do you think so you think this is a little kid thing you don't see it as a romantic thing like put your hand in my hand you know what i mean like to me this is almost like a couple going on an exploration together like mm. a, uh yeah I could two see that people too. yeah like or a thruple <laughs> Uh, no like two people like kind of it's almost like a relationship it could be a metaphor of like oh are we gonna do this thing you know let's let's go for it let's unexplored territory i don't know i don't know because that i I hate to keep leaning on my interpretation but that is a thing that kids do too like oh take my hand let's walk somewhere together yeah like at school and stuff and then they like show you something yeah, I do see oh, I what you know. mean about the little kid thing. It could totally be your thing, too. It could, like I said, it could be both. Well, there, there's a simple quality to the lines. That, that much we can say. That yes. that seems like little kid-like. Like, lift up the rock song. and see all the things. Yeah, that <laughs> seems like something a little kid would say. Or, innocent. Or it seems like something like a teacher would say to a little kid and speaking yeah, yeah. to their level, uh, their stupid level. <laughs> they're, they're dumb. dumb. Little morons. Welcome to the trees. <laughs> it's It's... Very, yeah, (laughs) it's very simple. And I always actually, just on a musical thing, uh, it almost sounds like Flansburg's harmony is in the trees part. Yeah, I I hear that as well. It kind of differentiates things a little bit. I'd say so. I wouldn't bet my life savings or anything. Welcome to the, welcome to the trees. Push me in the face again, push me in the face again, push me in the face. Yeah, a lot of reverb there. Yeah, the, his voice gets more reverb at that part. It does sound like Flansburg is, is in the trees part. and uh, He's in the trees. And he's in the trees. Watch out. Uh, and yeah, the bass line in that part. Yeah. Dave, it's, it's like great. so fun and it, it really pushes things. And it is like a build. It's like, we're going in, we're going into the jungle in that verse. It's like the first half of the song, he's like trying to get you to follow him into the jungle. And then in that part, you're in the jungle. You're in it, baby. He's saying, welcome to the trees. And it is weird. It's a strange vibe in the lyrics because it's, yeah, it's it's very, <laughs> it's like a tour guide or something. Yeah. But but it seems like a little, like a, a class trip. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to meet you at your level, Dave. I said yeah twice. But then... <laughs> what more do you want from me? But then we've got the Linnell, I'd call this a twist, push me in the face again comes in halfway through. <laughs> yeah. And first of all, I, I, I definitely see your point about like, this is something like little kids, I mean, little kids <laughs> fight... Mushes your face. <laughs> fight very easily. Yeah. Um, I've always seen this as adults and I yeah. could be wrong about that. I know, you've mentioned this before. <laughs> I have, what have I said? That you you think it's uh, an adult, I guess alpha male, just like <laughs> pushing right. you your face away, like ah, you little squirt. <laughs> really, I said that. Uh, see, I've in present time, I, I imagine yeah. a woman pushing, a sla- oh. slapping a guy in the face or something. Sure. We've the, all been there, am I right? Yeah, but push push me in the face is a strange way to put it. It definitely puts across. I mean, it's like a Jimmy Cagney. <laughs> <laughs> like thing or something hmm. but like it, it definitely puts across a specific feel and image and it's also like is he saying to do it or is he saying that it happened like saying push me in the face again is that a request do you know what i mean or is he just <laughs> saying this is a thing that just happened 
You know what I'm saying? I don't think it's a request. <laughs> it seems like it is. It's it's strange. It's almost like a dare. Mm, a dare. I like that. Yeah. But it's like then because the next verse it says didn't really like he didn't didn't really yeah let's talk about that didn't really like it I mean for first of all there's like a there's a humorous idea here which is like why would anyone like that so it's like even pointing it out that you didn't like it is funny Mm -hmm. but there's also the the context of the whole song which is why why this happening in the jungle right like what is is it kind of about how you you're gonna explore some new territory but it might might hurt you mm. is it a warning is it is it saying like it's okay to be hurt when you explore a new territory there's so many things to read into this song i like the chord like when it says last time when you pushed my thing it's like this kind of sad Mm-hmm. chord that rings out and the it goes like ding, ding, ding. yeah like and then it arpeggiates yeah there's there's like a sad quality to that part it's it's that's why i like the song because it's not just like it's not just kind of the typical linellian fun music there is mm-hmm. like an emotion to it that i um i always um connected with but even without really understanding what what the emotion is exactly yeah i kind of feel like i'm in the jungle now i don't know what's what i know could be a snake could be a jaguar. Both both are bad. <laughs> well, there's a lot of predators in the jungle. I think we can all agree on that. Well, I, I mean, is that what the song's about? You know I what don't, I mean? I, yeah, maybe. Yes. Well, we can, let's, Definitely. let's talk about the last, I think the last verse is the most loaded verse uh, of meaning and, and maybe final statement yeah. of the song. Now you will be with me. Put your hand in my hand. Lift up the rock and see all the things that live in the jungle with us. Put your hand near the bug. We are so much like them. See how the bug reacts to your hand in the same way as I do. Always a favorite line. It's a good one. Um, I, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, in my yearbook, I quoted, uh, nothing's going to change my clothes. I feel like that was a contender, though. <laughs> Something like that. One of those lines that makes you wonder. I want to come back to the Stangle interp because he mentioned okay. this line specifically. So he, he goes, of course, the bug could jump away, but I think there's a reason Linnell simply leaves the insect response at the same way as I do. He's not telling because you've got to check for yourself. The face pushing is a different matter because Linnell would seem to explicitly say it was a bad experience. I think, though, that the face push comes in a longer line of TMBG head wounds and knowledge mm-hmm. painfully gotten. TMBG's head wounds invariably end up being painful and difficult, but ultimately enlightening. Every blow to the head, every knocked skull, many through car accidents, gives way to visionary dreams and important knowledge. It wasn't fun to get pushed in the face, but it op- opened up previously unconsidered opportunities. So that's, you know, I find that extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that just, it is a reoccurring thing in their songs where you you have some sort of horrible bodily experience, but yeah. you're kind of like a new person or you're, it's been like deeply affecting to the you in some way. pain of experience. Maybe that's what the song's about. I don't know. Um, I always, what do you imagine with the bug in that last verse, Dave? I think that's more of Linnell looking at humanity in his weird way that only he can that we're aliens we're bugs <laughs> we're suits of skin you know mm-hmm. <laughs> well kind of like how we both don't know what the hell is going on in life 
Yeah, like what does the bug think a giant hand, you know, coming out of the sky is? Like it, that's pretty similar to us too. Like we don't really have any control over our life either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it, it can really th- the idea that uh, Stangle was kind of getting at is that like. Yeah, in the city, a bug might run away from you because it's in a city. But in the jungle, it's kind of the animals are in charge. Mm. They're they're not going to be as scared of you as, you know, as you think because it's their territory. Right. And so but then when he says, see how the bug reacts to your hand in the same way as I do, mm-hmm. to me, it implies... I mean, just because it's Linnell, I get like a, a negative. Yeah, that's what uh, I thought. This is like saying about like a relationship problem. You know, this is, he's reflecting on yeah. something personal that happens between the narrator and, and the person he's with, probably, a, yeah. you know, a romantic relationship. But ultimately, we can't know. I still hear a science class kind of mm. vibe, a teacher-student relationship, little kid. Mm-hmm. Inappropriate relationship. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, kind of exploration, ex- mm-hmm. explorative quality. It's almost like showing you like, oh, see... The reaction of the bug is reflexes. Humans have that too, especially mm, seeing, see how the is a very teacher. Yeah, yeah. And when lift up the rocks, see all the things that live here with us, like your environment, your ecology of the jungle. Yes. So there's in the mammal theme too. It is very like science. Yeah. Animals. That that's true. Where my where my head went is was even more like in the relationship thing, where it's like yeah. Linnell. I was like, I wonder if Linnell in his head at least knew what he was, what what the reaction was when he wrote the lyric. I just jumped to a skittish thing. Like Linnell's kind of, you know, he doesn't like to be touched Mm -hmm. in a lot of songs. And I think in reality, maybe, and like, you know, Flansburg will like shake hands with fans and do all this stuff. And Linnell kind of runs away. Mm -hmm. To me, that's just, that's why I jump to like the bug's reaction. And his is, it's his funny way of being like, I don't want to yeah. anyone to reach out to me or touch me or or I want to be, be safe sure. in my little house the way the bugs are safe under their their rock. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I I just recently was me and my girlfriend did this road trip and we were at the Mojave Desert and one of the weirdest things I saw was we were just walking. It was through, John Linnell? Was, was John Linnell <laughs> under a rock? Uh, there was a go away. There was all these little holes in the ground yeah. and we were like, what lives in those? Mm-hmm. And then at one point I walked past, there was like a giant bug peeking, like watching us peeking yeah. out of the hole. And, and it, it wasn't a scorpion, but it, it almost looked like a weird scorpiony kind of thing with a weird stinger. Mm-hmm. And Kristen was just like, stay the hell away from that. But I, I kind of leaned in to look at it, but it was like clearly, yeah. wa- it was clearly waiting for us to pass so that it could like go somewhere. Sounds terrifying. It, it, I thought of this song kind of in, in a way, even though it wasn't the jungle, it was a desert, but they're kind of similar ideas where like when you're in the desert, you're like, I, this is not my ter- territory. Well, this right. Is- Themes of like disturbing the natural order of things too. Yeah. Yeah. There were like hawks circling us and I was like, yeah. I think they're waiting for us to die <laughs> or something. Sure. Yeah. Last little bit, I just, I love the arrangement in that last verse too. I love, there's like a cowbell. There's these crashes like, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the, the, there's like an organ kind of like a cool jazzy organ going and there's all this fun. I mean, it's so damn, damn fun. Like it's just so freaking damn fun. I love the song. Jordan likes the song. You know how like a lot of TMAG fans ask like, what's your dream set list? Like if I heard the song live at a show. Have they ever played this live? No. Um, actually something I want to talk about with all these B-sides, they never played like 
any hmm. of these B-sides live, like any, like even other other B-sides got their chance to shine mm-hmm. live, like Sense Around and she was a Hotel Detective sequel. And then like, It's Not My Birthday and right. I'll Sing Manhattan was like a very uh, standard song for them live. And a lot of B-sides got, oh yeah, Ant, you know? And sure. So it's like none of the Apollo 18 songs got their chance live at all. And they're, they're so good. They never even had a chance. So speaking of, Losing your chance. Here's the next song. Nice. Called I Blame You. Ten miles from nowhere, there's a story that's true about a fine girl and a boy just like you. They fell so deeply, but then fell apart. They say the same words of what used to be, what used to be. I, I blame you. I this is a song about uh, Dave, who I blame <laughs> for all my problems. I like this song a lot. Talk to me, baby. I think it's really sad. I think uh, it's very atmospheric. I think mm. it's from the heart. Yeah. And I think, what more could you want? Yeah, it's it's incredibly interesting as a They Might Be Giants. It wouldn't be out of place on yeah. a lot of bands' uh, discography, but for They Might Be Giants to do such a direct uh, song about a failed relationship and heartbreak and yeah. kind of closing yourself off emotionally. Uh, Who couldn't relate to that? Yeah, it's weird, though, f- for them. In fact, I would I'd say that in the next episode, the the demo version of the song has a lot more to talk about with the lyrics mm-hmm. in terms of bizarre... Uh, I don't know if you know what I'm even talking about. I think I do. Yeah, in terms of like bizarre riddle lyrics that are you can talk about. And with uh, this is... Uh, he kind of wiped those all away and, yeah. and made just a very um, slice of life mm-hmm. song, <laughs> which is surprising. But I have to say, I, I've sort of said it before. I love when they do that, yeah. especially Flansburg does this a lot. And, and I think this also fits the, the themes on the album. This would have fit right with If I Wasn't Shy, yeah. Narrow Your Eyes, right? I mean, it seems like he was in this headspace during the, the preparation for this album of like, some sad relationship yeah. just ended for him and he was really thinking about it. I don't think he's um, putting on a character here. I really don't. Um, besides that, uh, the lyrics are from the point of view of like a storyteller who's telling you about the guy and girl. Mm-hmm. Right? So there, there's a little bit of a character there, but I really think this is a sincere song. I could be wrong. It could, yeah, it could very well be sincere. Mm-hmm. The lyrics in the second verse, uh, mm-hmm. I actually think are some of the best lyrics I've ever heard. Holy sh! So, kind of a bold statement. Yeah, especially because they're the worst lyric I've <laughs> ever heard. No, no, I, I love them. I've never heard lyrics that personified not knowing what to do <laughs> at the end of a relationship. Yeah, better than that. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell a little, a quick. I have two examples I can think of, which is one. I was just putting uh, a few months ago. I, I was putting together a photo album because mm-hmm. I had, I basically had a drawer full of photos. And I bought an album. I was like, oh, it'd be nice to have a book instead of a drawer <laughs> full mm. of a bunch of... And I was like, had all these photos of of a few exes. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't want to throw these away, like the the comb in the song. Right, right. But I'm like, but I also don't want to be like, here's photos of my exes on, in the right. album. Because it's a part of your life. And yeah. it has a place that needs to kind of be almost like... Uh, 
like frozen in amber or something. Yeah, yeah. Where you, it, it can't be touched, otherwise something bad will happen. Yeah, so it, it's not something I wanted to see when I'm like flipping through the album and yeah. showing Kristen photos right. and stuff. But so but what you I don't did is deny it either. I put the photos underneath other photos in the album. Yeah. So I doubled up like some of the slots in the in the album so that they're they're there but they're not visible. And and I have another thing like that where like. I was in my storage space recently that my parents keep and like my ex had had made me like a, a little ceramic squirrel, very cute. Mm -hmm. And it's just in my storage space. And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not an asshole where I would like throw this away. Yeah. It's very yeah. sweet and cute, but I'm like, but I'm not going to put it on, I'm not going to display it. So it's exactly like in the song. I'm like, here's this thing. I'm just going to put it back in my storage right. space and not think about it. And by the way, this sentiment doesn't have to be limited to just relationships either. Mm -hmm. There's like parts of our, you know, our history that we just don't know what to do with. We don't want to display yeah. them. We don't want to deny them, uh, you know, painful memories, good memories. I, I'm totally down There's with that. It's just kind of stuff where you're like, I don't know where this goes. So it's going to kind of go in the middle of nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's sort of about not uh, being able to process something. Yeah. I mean, that's why I like the songs. It captures a moment. And, exactly. and they, they don't do that a lot in their lyrics. Uh, and, and this, I mean, is, is this the most straightforward song they've like hmm. ever done? Like maybe, you know. It's almost like, where do you find a place for the things that have no place? That's right. It's like Toy Story. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, well, that's like there's in Toy Story. They're like, oh, he's he's done playing with us, and yeah. we're gonna go in the closet now, and it's like depressing. Yeah, I guess that's what closets are for, right? <laughs> um, yeah, and there's and there is the other thing about this. I mean, to me, this this and Cabbage Town kind of feel like they're from the same universe. Mm -hmm. It's like Flansburg with an acoustic guitar. You know, he, yes. I almost think, can see him sitting on a porch playing this song and, and he says like 10 miles from nowhere is the first line and right. it's like that's kind of like what Cabbage Town is it's like this random mm -hmm. town in the middle of nowhere yeah it's kind of like a country yeah western song <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny they don't, it does have that TMBG humor because the fact that both the guy and the girl are saying I blame you is like yeah I mean that that's what the, the ends of relationships are like or even yeah. just fights within a relationship is yeah. they blame each other sad stuff um, yeah, I, I love the soundscape of this song, the accordion, mm -hmm. sort of like with Spacesuit, there's like a tone to the accordion that I can't quite place, but it, it's, you know, he's, to me, it sounds like he's playing the buttons on the accordion, which have like a kind of certain sound. It's got this great, like, I, th I think there's almost no MIDI except possibly there on the chorus when it says, ah, I blame you, there's like a brush drum that comes in yeah. very subtle. That's my, that might be MIDI, but it's very mm. um, soft and natural sounding. Otherwise, it's just acoustic guitar and a, an accordion. I thought that was actual. It uh, might be. An, I mean, it I seems. Yeah, it might be that. And then on the last verse, it's got like a 12. I, I think it's a, an acoustic or a 12 string. I was going to ask you about that. Mm -hmm. It sounded like a 12 string. I think it's just, I think he's double tracking. Mm -hmm. he's, he might be faking a 12 string or he's double tracking acoustic guitars going ding, ding, ding. To me, this kind of has like a Norwegian wood kind of sound. Yes. Like it's got a very like rubber sole feel to it. I was thinking the same thing. It's, it was very Beatlesy. Very Beatlesy. Crazy. Um, and yeah, that's I mean that's something I love about the Beatles is that like they'd have these places on their albums where there's just like a little like a little story. You yeah. know what I mean? Like not a song that has like three verses, four verses. It's just like here's just a little story thing. 
He drops his car keys and crawls on the ground Finds her old hair comb she's wearing to town Can't bear to keep it or throw it away Gets back down on his knees, puts it back where it lay Back where it I wonder if, like, you know, the, the main riff, doo, 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 like, did Linnell come up with that? Because it's on the accordion. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if that was, like, his contribution to the song or if it was in, like, you know, Flansburg's idea. Again, like I said, I love this EP. It, it takes me yeah. in a lot of places. And like I've said before, uh, since They Might Be Giants, for a while, were the only bands that I was really into. When they had a relatable sad song, I treasured yeah. it because I was like, oh my God, a sad song, <laughs> uh, you know, mm. that I understand. Yeah, it's just a small, sad breakup song. Yes. Uh, I'm. Things worked out for Flansburg, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so don't worry, Dave. Don't cry. Don't cry. <laughs> you know, I've talked about this before when we talked about some of the like little dial of songs. It's like... In an alternate universe, if they might be Giants or Flansburg as a solo artist was just this guy putting out albums of stuff like this, mm-hmm. like I'd love it. Like I'd, yeah. I'd love just like a 10, 10 song, like here's me and an acoustic guitar and right. little sad songs. Like I think he'd nail it, but yeah. they might be Giants have this kind of ambition to them where it's like sonically and, every, you know, we're going to do these lyrics that are so hard to decipher and mm-hmm. all these are bu- busy arrangements. Yeah, and big. so, it, but it's like, I, I would love... I kind of have these like dreams about a Flansburg solo album, which is funny because Monopuff's like the opposite of this. It's even more bombastic. Yeah, exactly, which is weird. But like just a, a solo album, him just strumming a guitar and telling stories. And I, I love I love that side of him, you know? Maybe we'll get it yet. Yeah, maybe when he's like too old to <laughs> rock out too much. Uh, let's go to the next song, the final song in this episode. It's, uh, I consider another gem. It's another gold, like it. golden gem. A glittery gem and it is called moving to the sun while they were staring at the sick go sign is when they lost our trail they thought we were short yeah short song it's shorter than it seems yeah i'd say that (laughs) well because it's such a story yeah it takes you on a journey a long journey this song is like a 70s movie to me (laughs) really well uh you're just driving around in the hot sun kind of yeah and like someone's after you and getaway car like you ever see scarecrow uh a real one (laughs) <laughs> yes the movie the 70s movie no i makes me of scarecrow oh I'll it's gene hackman it. and like uh i'll no, say no more yeah this song it, is like gene hackman it's, <laughs> i'll put this out there well first of all i love the song i love this great song too song great song. great song it's funny that you said that cabbage town was like see the constellation because to me this song is see the constellation ah. it's another way it's like it's almost like he had both songs and he picked one for the album because this song does the same exact thing, which is that he's like, I'm sad and I'm going to look to outer space mm-hmm. to direct my feelings, right? Because in See the Constellation, he's looking at a constellation in mm-hmm. outer space and he's thinking about wanting to, to leave his town. 
And in this one, he's sad. Yeah. He wants to leave and he's like, I'm going to go to the sun. I'm going to, that's right. where I'm going to, it's, it's like the same idea. And I don't mean that in a way where he's like, oh, he's reusing the same idea. I think Flansburg during, during these, uh, the, the year or whatever, him writing songs for a polyteen was in a really specific mindset. Yeah. And it's like that for a lot of albums really, where you can track their, where their head's at. Right. But uh, I, I love that about this, that once again, we've got the outer space theme. We've got the yeah. sad kind of alienated feeling. Yeah, the and leaving town theme, yeah. Leaving town, yeah. Flansburg's very consistent with the Apollo 18 writing. So I love that. I love the sound of the song. I guess it's kind of reggae. <laughs> mm. I mean, it is, and it, it, you know, in, in the They Might Be Giants way. Yeah. It's got that rhythm. Um, it's interesting because, yeah, you've got, it starts with the bass just doing its thing. And you're, when you, the first time you hear the song, you're just like, what is, yeah. what can go around that? What's the song? But then when the rhythm comes in, it works really it per it perfectly. Yeah. I like any time that uh, Flansburg has kind of like a paranoid, cool, um, cinematic vibe to his songs. Mm -hmm. This just, kinda yeah. like Ondine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or something. The storytelling in this really puts you in a place. Yeah, it's like a road trip song. It right. really is. It's funny because because of this song, every time I see like a sitco song, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I actually, I, I can post a Twitter, but it's not the most exciting post. But like literally last week we were driving and I was like, a sitco sign. I like <laughs> took a photo because um, I was like per listening to the song all week. They thought we were part of a caravan, but we had other plans. A caravan, Dave, is... When you're part of a bunch of vehicles moving together, we're part of a. Oh, talk to me like I'm a fool. Go ahead. <laughs> bunch of vehicles moving together, they and I like say. they split off from that. Yeah. You know, go to their own thing. But yeah, the, to me, the song is kind of in a way, it's pretty simple. Which mm -hmm. is is that it's just like it's an angst song. It's just like I don't belong on this this planet, so I'm just gonna go where I do belong <laughs> on the sun yeah. or something. I don't know if the idea is that he's going to die when he gets to the sun or if right. something else. But the I think to, to me, it's a very classic uh, songwriting thing, which is the, it kind of hinges on this world's too cold. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the sun. Yeah. And this to me is almost like a fifties pop song thing where you're, you kind of think of a central metaphor and then, just kind of keep ex expanding on that in the lyrics. You know mm -hmm. what I'm, I mean? A lot of classic pop songs are just like, you You find that angle, and then you write, a, you kind of emphasize yeah. that angle over and over again. A gimmick. Yeah, in a way. So like the, the idea here is... Hot is the opposite <laughs> of cold. This is like a preview for uh, The Sun is a Massive Incandescent Gas. I wanted to talk about that because it's so interesting to me. This happens a lot with their discography where one thing leads to the next. Like literally the next release... After this yeah. is the Why Does the Sunshine single, which is crazy because it's like the it's perfect. So maybe he looked up that fact and he's like, oh, there's another song here, man. You can see where their heads are at. I mean, yeah. you, you really see like how this all happened. I mean, look, there's a chance maybe they were this was written way in a different time. I don't know. But uh, it's it's very interesting that it leads perfectly to it. We can talk about the pun. Someone on Wiki mentioned this, and it kind of you know that's I'll I'll credit that a bit. But this Nova rolls. So uh. the Nova is probably referring to the Chevy Nova, which they're assuming. Mm. It's assumed that that's what they're driving. We let's Could listen. Also, be the uh, yeah. scientific phenomena. The, the a star or something, yeah, right? Supernova. Supernova. Yeah. Let's let's listen to a Chevy Nova commercial because I think. It It'll be fun. Because it'll pad this out. Go yeah. ahead. I got you. <laughs> I haven't played a clip in a long time. I think, <laughs> you getting a little nervous? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> getting some uh, withdrawal? Let's try it. Let's try it. This one's from the 70s. One, two, three. You will see. 
the Nova 6 makes sense today. Two, three, four. Count the doors of the Chevy Nova 6. The economical Chevy Nova 6 two-door coupe. The young, happy one with stripes if you order it. It don't take no shit from no one. (laughs) Jack. Let's listen to this one from the 80s because I thought this one was funny too. You know, I love everything about this car. New Chevy Nova. Things got so much wimpier in the 80s. And I really like the way it's built. I really like it. Chevy Nova owners would recommend their new Nova to a friend. There's so much room. Oh, I thought you'd like it. And it doesn't cost much to keep it filled either. New Nova from today's Chevrolet. Chevrolet. Yeah. <laughs> I love playing Dave commercials and him just shitting on them. Yeah. It's great. We should do a whole podcast of that. It's a cool it's a cool pun. I think it's great, you know, perfect perfect Plansbergy pun. I wanted to talk about a crazy thing in the mix of this song, which is that I don't know if you did you listen on headphones? Uh yes. Did you notice <laughs> uh so his the vocal in the verses is slightly to the right while okay. we were, you know, and then when the chorus comes in, his vocals centered as usual. And it, it makes the chorus feel like it opens up right. s- so much yes. and it's so subtle. It's an amazing uh, little trick. I, I think it's really, I, I find that stuff very inspirational for, for my mixes and, and stuff. It's like a really interesting thing. And I, mm. I had to like double check. Cause I'm like, is this to the right? Yeah. But like, if you really go back and like, just listen how the vocal slightly moves into the center space. Car driving. And it, yeah, it's so it's like an idea of like traveling, you know, it's like his yeah. travels. It's like when he gets to the sun, he's kind of happy now. You know, it, it kind of has yes. that feeling of like things are slightly off, right? Like slightly askew. And then he he's at the sun and he's like, this is what I want. It's so yeah. interesting. I think that's like brilliant, brilliant. You think it's intentional? Oh God, yeah, yeah. I oh, think that God, I think yeah. they fucked up. <laughs> I think they're like, whoops. Well, not that it's not intentional, but thematically intentional. <laughs> Obviously, they meant to mix it that way. It's sort of like what we were saying before. Like, it's hard to say if they really talk this stuff out or if yeah. it's instincts. Instincts. Yeah. I have a strong suspicion that Flansburg thought in his head. I mean, I know I'm getting into trouble thinking of saying what he thought, but. I think it's very likely that he could have thought this is a this is a road trip song. I want to take you on a little trip, sort of like we talk about with Sifton, yeah. how things move in and out of the stereo. It's like this is you know what I want to do here. Also, like the the guitar in the chorus too. I, I wanted to talk about that. Let's want to listen to it. The solo. It's sort of a solo. The well, single notes. Blaring. Yeah, the single notes. It's like. I even wrote the blazing solo. It's like blazing, yeah. like the sun. It's like, it's got yeah, this man. kind of hotness. It really- This song is hot, hot to trot. It's sort of like we said for Cabbage Town um, and I Blame You, which is that Flansburg's really nailing the the music matching the lyrics. Yeah. I, I, this song to me sounds hot. It's kind of like summer, a summer in the city kind of like song. You know yeah. what I mean? It's the song of the summer. I can't get out of this voice now. But we had other plans. You can't catch me where I'm gonna fall. You can't catch me where I'll hide. This world's too cold. This Nova rolls. I'm moving to the sun. Oh, I love, yeah, I mean, I, I know we already probably played this part of the song. I love how the you've got the bass line and then this really pretty guitar. It's sort of like a reverby 
Like, yeah. you know what it reminds me of? Like, you know, when you see like footage of like the desert and it's like the air is like wobbling. Every, a mirage. Yeah. Like the, the wobbly yeah. look. Like that's what the guitar sounds like to me. And it's also a little bit Hawaiian. Yeah. It, like yeah, tropical. exactly. Tropical. Exactly. More hot. And then you've got the, um, we're jumping around a lot, but you've got the like organ solo in the middle, which to me is again, it's kind of like a 70s, mm-hmm. like you said, like a 70s movie. It's kind of like this kind of funky organ that's doing this super like steamy sweaty <laughs> solo it's a sexy song i mean i don't it's funny because you know andy partridge from xdc talks about having i like, don't know him personally synth synthesia or whatever where synesthesia he, synesthesia where he talks about how he hears he feels chords as colors and yeah. and i i I don't know if I have the technical thing, but I really feel that too sometimes mm-hmm. um, where I'm just like, this sounds to me, like I get a v- real big picture in my head of, of what I'm hearing, which is one of the reasons I wanted to like do this podcast sure. as, a, as a whole. But the thing is, they might, a lot of They Might Be Giants music doesn't lend itself to that, but these B-sides really do, you know, yeah. especially Flansburg's. Yeah, the second verse, 93 miles times a million more. It is uh, a little cross-referencing here with the sun sure facts. Is. It's kind yeah. of fun. It's almost like when they mention like chess piece face and like rabbit child. He's it's like, oh, we know this because of the song we're right. about to put out. It's kind of crazy. What do you think of the weird backing <laughs> vocals in I Must Drive Now? He's like, I must drive. I have no idea. That's like his... Uh, his other half talking to him. I don't know. <laughs> the the passenger in the car. Yeah, either the passenger or like his uh, split personality that made him split in the first place. It, it's one. It's sort of like with the stereo idea where I'm like, how do they think of, like how does someone think to do that? Like what I'd imagine is like they're listening to the song. They're like, there's a space there that yeah, needs yeah. filling. Sometimes like a bass fill will do yeah. that or whatever, but it's, it's perfect <laughs> because it has this, there's a weight to it where it's like, it's hot. You know, it's mm-hmm. yeah. And it's almost like he's talking to himself, like yeah. a call and response to himself. Ninety-three miles times a million more. Quite a trip we've planned. I must drive now carefully and figure where we'll land. You can't catch me. I'll say this is one of the only, because of like the reggae feel, I feel like this is one of the only They Might Be Giant songs you can kind of dance to in the yeah. cool, not the verses, of course, because they're <laughs> not going to make it that easy for people. But the chorus has a cool, you can kind of see this in at a party or like, like a, you know, in J- Jamaica. <laughs> I don't know. You could kind of see this like people groove into the song in a way that's not typical for They Might Be Giants, right? They should play this live. I think this would be fantastic live. I love these songs. Oh, we, we should mention, he did talk about the song briefly. One thing he said is it's a paranoid, modest proposal, mm. uh, which I think is a way of him uh, saying that he, like, it's, it's, a little, it's a little sentiment. You know, it's, it's mm. not some big emotional song, but it's just kind of like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's kind of, I like that he called it that. Kind of shows too that he's like, didn't think it belonged on an album. Yeah, yeah, that's what I got out of that too. 
one thing that I thought was really cool is on the Tumblr page, this is from two years old, which might as well be yesterday for how time moves. Mm -hmm. But um, he says, I heard Moving to the Sun a few months back. And while I remember the original Dial Song version, which no one's ever heard, by the way, Hmm. which was quite well demo-y, just strumming and singing, the final recording was very elaborate and seemed sonically cool in ways I could barely remember. Hmm. That's cool that he was listening to Moving to the Sun. I kind of connect to him in that way. Right. Just hanging out, listening to TMBG B-sides. I think <laughs> me and him have a lot in common in right. that sense. There's a lot to unpack there, which is he's talking about this Dial-A-Song demo that no, um, as far as I know, no one's ever heard because it's this the recording does not exist in all the fan uh you know, bootlegs. Shame. I know. I would love to hear that version it's a of it. Damn shame. But I love that he likes the song. That's cool. This is the kind of thing that I would imagine inspires them to pull a song out of out of the out of the bin yeah. and perform it live. Can only hope. You never know. I mean, they're changing their set list. Like we wouldn't have thought that they'd ever do like, hey, Mr. DJ, you know, or Mr. Yeah. Claw, <laughs> right? Or, you know, a few years back. Like, I, I, you never know. This this might make it. It's a great song. Do it. So those were the Apollo 18 B-sides, some of my all-time favorite They Might Be Giant songs and hopefully some of yours. But if you hate them... Uh, doesn't matter. That doesn't matter because nothing matters. Yeah. Next episode, we're going to talk about the demos that made up Apollo 18 and these B-sides. Uh, there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot. Not baby. sure how we're going to fit that all in the one episode, but we'll, we'll try. Some of them are a we'll whole big conversation. Oh. No, some of them are crazy, actually, Well, as we're getting used to, I think. I guess now, we're fucked. If you want to get fucked. <laughs> then, yeah, well, email us at don'tletstartpodcast at gmail.com to talk to us. Share your thoughts about these songs. By the way, I want to point out, um, I really appreciate mm-hmm. that for the, the majority of the people who email us, they do wait until we discuss the song first and then we'll email about it. Mm-hmm. Because something I, I kind of try to avoid is if someone... Before let's let's say before we discuss like snail shell or something, mm-hmm. I don't want someone emailing us like a whole interpretation. Because it'll get your head. Yeah, I try to not. Your I don't want to like steal anything from a, a fan yeah. Or, or. Yeah, that's why I don't look up anything. Yeah, I, I kind of try to avoid that too. So I just want to say everyone's doing a great job because they're good they're, job. Everyone. They're waiting till we discuss it. So that's awesome. So email us. We've got a Twitter at Don't Let's Pod. I, I post fun. I try to post fun stuff about the show, things that we talk about, and vice vice versa. Vice Why would I say that? Uh, and things that talk about us. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm very tired by the end of recording, uh, everyone. Yeah. Um, Give us a break for crying out loud. Tell your friends about the show. I Actually, I, I can't emphasize this enough. I advertise as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I do promotion as much as I can. Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all that bullshit. Uh, but I think the best thing is if you tell a friend about the show, if you know someone who likes They Might Be Giants, or if you're trying to get someone into They Might Be Giants, this, I think this right. is a perfect introduction to the band. Uh, I, I guess that doesn't that sounds arrogant, but whatever. Uh, I've been told that in emails from people. It's a great way to go on the journey. Please tell your friends about us. Word of mouth. If you want to support the show, anchor.fm slash don't let start. How easy is that? So it easy. It takes about eight seconds to type maybe. Uh, you've got some options Even there. Even the stupidest people um, can do that. It's super helpful to us uh, because this show is a labor of love. Yes. And uh, no one's, we don't do ads. We don't do any of that crap as much as Dave wants to do ads. I'll do ads. I think that'd be funny. <laughs> He's dying to do it. I'm, I refuse. So if you're concerned, you're denied hilarious ads. <laughs> yeah. right, right in. Yeah. And tell um, Jordan you 
want me to do some ads? I don't want to do that because it seems too weird. It seems like I'd become a puppet uh, of some sort. I'd love to be a puppet. Yeah. Thanks so much for all the support and the, the everything from yeah, all, thanks for all writing of our in friends. And letting us know that you like what we do. That's the show. Come like back. it or not. <laughs> love it or leave it. And Dave, you look like you've got something to say to me. I blame you. I blame you. I blame you.